0: Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with The Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on The Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to share it as well.
1: Get it? It's adventure music.
0: Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show.
2: Gary Hoffman, yeah. you tell her, baby. Shannon Barron. I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass, a, Gary and Shannon, a, 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 I was going to clean my room until I got high, <laughs> I was going to get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh, la, da, da, My room la, da, da. is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause <laughs> I yeah. because I got high. Yeah. Because yeah. I got high. Because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Ooh, uh, ooh. I could have cheated and I could have passed,
3: but I got high. Uh, uh,
2: la, da, da, I'm da, taking da, da, da. it next semester, and I know why. <laughs> why, why, man? Yeah, hey.
1: Because I, high. High. because I got high. Because I got high. We're gonna play uh, pot songs all day because we're uh, eleven and uh, <laughs> have the maturity of a frog. I was, the frog.
4: Support, I I was exer- remembering
1: uh, the the quote from Ricky Williams this morning, <laughs> something to the effect of "I got in trouble in the NFL because I got high, and I forgot I wasn't supposed to get." Forgot high. I wasn't
0: supposed to get high.
1: Yeah. No. Everybody's got.
0: Things that they forget now and then, like yeah. they forgot to feed the dog or the, oh, I didn't drag the garbage cans out to the curb.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, oh, I forgot I'm not supposed to get high, I
1: guess. I mean, I can understand that. Like, you know, say you're getting high every day in your life and then you sign an NFL contract. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I can but, kind of see how that wouldn't necessarily change. is it one of the
0: things that they tell you up front is don't get probably high. shouldn't get high every day.
1: I think they say don't get caught. Oh. I mean, that's what I would say.
0: Uh OK, so Friday, April 20th, a lot going on today. There's, uh, of course, the school walkouts that that have been going on. This is the anniversary of the Columbine massacre from 19 years ago. We found out that Southwest Airlines is going to get five thousand dollars to all of the passengers on flight 1380 because they thought they were going to die. Um, also, the uh, there was a shooting this morning, I believe, it's, uh, in Ocala, Florida, just as uh, at a school, although not necessarily a school shooting. So we'll get some details about that. A bunch of stuff going on. Dean Sharp is going to join us. Mo Kelly's going to join us. We're going to talk about the Starbucks bias training that's coming up and why it might backfire on them. And forest
1: bathing. I love this because but, you know what?
0: We we just talked about this the other day about bathing and and staying appropriately clean and non-aromatic for your coworkers. Yeah. Okay.
1: This does not preclude that. Okay. I think I that, think that people think are going to look at
0: this and they're going to say, you know what? I'm just I went for a forest bath.
1: I think more time in nature is good for everybody. Is all I'm saying. You say so. You should take a walk. Easy. <laughs> Can we talk about the shirt? My shirt? No, no, no. no. Oh, your shirt. My shirt. <laughs> what about it? So it's I, I. decided to wear a free shirt today. Free shirt Friday.
0: Which she's the only one who. Te- I mean, usually a uh, group text will go out that says something like, "Hey guys, it's we're wearing short-
1: dresses today.
0: It's shorts Friday, right? There or will something. yeah.
1: And I. Uh, I decided to wear a free shirt today because I don't know. I wanted to be like Petros and Money, right? Uh but but we had we do have an event tonight. Here at the station. Right. Is this the Red Cross fundraiser?
0: No, this is the uh, this is the Catarina's Club.
1: Oh, got it. Okay. Uh, they're doing good work on that, rebuilding the White House. Oh, there is
0: a video. Dean Sharp put up a video. We'll have yeah. to talk about it when he gets here. But he put up a video of uh, his preview of the early construction um, yeah. or the the latest construction. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. So
1: we're having a bunch of listeners coming in to hang out with us. And I've got this free shirt on. And then we've got uh, a video we're supposed to shoot for professional reasons, <laughs> and I've got this free shirt on. Right, which is probably a, the wrong day to it's wear. It's not. I mean, a it's a shirt.
0: perfectly
1: clean. It's bright white. It's clean. We just got it yesterday. Just
0: got it yesterday. It's California Earthquake Authority. It says right there on the front. I mean, who
1: doesn't want to wear new clothes? Right, but today was probably not the day. Not the day. Not the day.
0: I uh, should have been a. Uh, clean and new and free shirt monday perhaps
1: well we all woke up to james comey memos who's had enough of james comey raise your hand i feel like i i hear his uh, interviews everywhere i go they're 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 playing on every different outlet still
0: well, i watched the uh, the 20 minute bbc version of the interview mm-hmm. i mean uh, he, all of his answers are going to be the same and the more you see it the more he's asked his answers become more and more i don't want to say rehearsed cuz that sounds like he's trying to fake something. But but his answers become very familiar.
1: Well, and I was talking to you earlier about this and he still seems to me like a real nice guy. Yeah. Uh, And I was saying, God, after all these interviews and he's still so calm and even with uh, dumb questions or anything, uh, re re answering the question for the upteenth time. And I'm thinking, well, he was a U.S. attorney. He's probably had days long, uh, 16 hour days of depositions before. And he's got some patience when it comes to sitting down in a room with somebody yeah. <laughs> just going through things. But I think tediously. He, he
0: finds himself in a place that we sometimes find ourselves not to compare us to the former director of the FBI, just in terms of being in the public eye and having to justify what it is that you've said or the feelings that you have about a particular issue, because he comes down. If you go through these memos, uh, we talked a little bit about it when we had him on earlier in the week. Uh about his opinions of Loretta Lynch, for example, as attorney general and his dealings with her when she was his boss. In these memos, he goes on and says, you know, he very much preferred Eric Holder to her, that, he, that Eric Holder was much more put together, was smarter, etc. And we're talking about a guy in Eric Holder who was the only U.S. cabinet member in the history of the United States to ever have been held in contempt of Congress and said that, Again, he says Eric Holder was smarter, more sophisticated, and smoother than was Loretta Lynch. So this guy has political – that's not even the right word. This guy has opinions, right, that would perhaps fall somewhere in the moderate area when it comes to uh, ascribing a political ideology to him. And he's getting blasted by both sides. He – like you said, he appears to be a nice guy. You know, who in the in the situations that he's been put into had some horrific and horrible decisions that he had to make. And he talks about the torturous decisions that he made about coming forward with the email investigation, about reopening it or announcing the the new classification of investigation. When the uh, Anthony Weiner laptop was looked into, he's in a position where there's really no winning. And no. it's almost like the the last decision that he made is the one you're going to remember him for, regardless of whatever good work he may have done in his career or even in the weeks or months previous to his last decision. That's what people are going to remember him for.
1: So now we've got 15 pages of memos written by James Comey in the days leading up to and covering the early months of Trump's presidency. And they they speak more about the president than about James Comey. And he has direct quotes from the president and um, different things the president said where Comey's paraphrasing. Uh, but we have the, the interesting bits that we've pulled out here. He was pretty flattering to James Comey upon meeting him Uh January 2017, this was a meeting between Comey and Trump less than two weeks before his inauguration. And at the time, uh, the president told Comey, uh, you, you saved her and then they hated you for what you did later. Talking about Hillary Clinton. But what choice did you have, the president says.
0: Right. I mean, a good guy put in a bad situation and that's the way the president looked at him.
1: Comey writes that the president thought very highly of me, it seemed, and looked forward to working with me, saying that, uh, that he hoped that I planned to stay on. Uh, he says, then he started talking about Trump, about all the women who had falsely accused him of grabbing or touching them, with particular mention of a stripper who said he grabbed her, and gave me the sense, Comey writes, that Trump was defending himself to Comey. That it mattered to the president what Comey thought of him, because you can understand that uh, in a go along to get along human nature that we have. Here's James Comey; he's a former U.S. attorney, director of the FBI. Right. You're not going to go to James Comey with that hooker whose ass you slapped last Tuesday. <laughs> You're going to talk to him about I would never behave like that. You know, you know, you have you have different sides of yourself that you show different people. Sometimes it's just the way we are. And uh, you wouldn't show that side if it was there, and I'm not saying it was, to James Comey. You would try to be – you'd show your buttoned-up side. Sure.
0: Because you're playing, you're playing with the big boys now. Right. I mean, you, you're, you're hosting heads of state, potential cabinet members, top law enforcement officials from the country that you're going to have to be dealing with in the coming months and years.
1: Comey there was... writes the, the conversation, which was pleasant at times, was chaotic with topics touched, left, then returned to later – making very difficult to recount in a linear fashion. It was really conversation as jigsaw puzzle in a way. Pieces picked up, then discarded, and then returned to. This, that's not a shock. I mean, the, the way the president talks, sometimes jumping from topic to topic, that's just the way he talks.
0: And he said that that was a meeting he wrote in those notes was a meeting right after the president had been sworn in. So he is the president at that point, and he's meeting with them. You can imagine what kind of a life The president has a week, two weeks into a term where for the last couple of months, you've been receiving basic instructions. I mean, constant, constant instructions on how to be the president. Right. And then you are the president. It doesn't slow down anything. Once you take the job and sit behind the desk, it doesn't get any easier. So this guy's mind has got to be going a million miles an hour anyway. This is the part that specific a blurb there where where James Comey was he wasn't even really critical of the president for being sort of all over the place in the conversation but he found it worth noting in his notes it seemed to me and I wrote this down I think he's taking this guy too seriously in that BBC interview that I referenced where he did 22 minutes with the BBC presenter about the you know the book and his interactions with the president etc he said um the the question To James Comey was, were you intimidated by the president? Because it was along the lines of the loyalty question, Mm -hmm. whether or not the president was asking for loyalty. And and James Comey never said, I can't be loyal to you. I am loyal to the Department of Justice. I'm loyal to the Constitution. I'm loyal to the country, something like that. Um, He said that there were times where he would just not answer. He would just stare at the president without saying a word. And the question was, were you intimidated? He said, I wasn't intimidated by him, like by Donald Trump, the man. But the office. But the office. Yeah. I, and I had this great reverence and respect for the physical location that I was in, which was the Oval Office. And and that meant something to me. So I was more intimidated by the office of the presidency and physically the White House that I was in more so than the person. And it made me think, he. so he takes, if you can do this, I guess. He takes the office of the presidency very, very seriously. But when you put a personality like Donald Trump in there, uh, James Comey has no idea what to do with him. And he doesn't take what he says serious. Or I'm sorry, a lot of people don't take him seriously. But that James Comey was ascribing too much in uh, too much character to him. Like he was taking the president's words too seriously.
1: Well, James Comey is a serious guy. And being in that setting in the office of the president, uh, in the Oval Office there, uh, I can understand that being an intimidating place to be no matter who the president is. And that's why when we talked to him, I I pointed out to him that I really um, respected that trait that he showed in that moment, James Comey. When the president saying you're sitting there in the Oval Office, office of the president and the president, no matter who it is, says to you, I need your loyalty. Can I get that from you? And for him to have that trait to sit there and tell yourself, don't say anything. Don't make a move. Don't give don't give anything. Just be, you know, stay true to your character and your solidness. I thought that that spoke volumes about who James Comey is. Um, Because it's so easy in that moment to be in the Oval Office and have an audience with the president. And he asks you for something to say, Okay, yeah, absolutely, whatever you have. Of course, I'll be loyal to you. You're the president of the United States, you know? Yeah, I
0: just feel like that he's still getting uh, the short end of the stick here that James Comey is, that that he's being accused of things that he. Now, listen, I said this before. I said this when we did the interview the other day. I think it's despicable that he would give information to a college professor with the intention of it being leaked to the media. If it's not supposed to be out there and you can't do it through the regular channels, don't do it. All right? For example, we're talking about things that you and I were never supposed to see. We're talking about these memos. They were not released to the media. I mean, officially, they were given to Congress. Somebody leaked them to the media. That's why we're talking about them in the first place. This is another example of a problem with what's going on in the administration That somebody, or in Congress, it looks like, that somebody felt it was important to leak these. The question is, why would they do that? Is it because Republicans on House committees believe that this would have been proof that James Comey had a had some sort of vengeance against this president? Because in all honesty, when I've read through them, I don't see that. Was it that this was going to back up James Comey and and prove that he is this upstanding, wonderful citizen and, uh, you know, nothing's going to stick to him? Eh, I, I don't know.
1: It doesn't really do anything for either side one way or the other. I don't think. I mean, I'm trying to think if there was an agenda, like you're saying, like who, whose agenda would it would it further? Here's the I only... do think the hooker stuff's pretty good. Well, I mean, in terms the, of interesting. That's the thing. The, when you look at why
0: he did this, the 15 pages of documents, right, Comey said that these interactions that he had with the president were so unnerving that he wanted to write things down. And when he said that, he was referring to, why he created them. He said uh, he knew that there might come a day when I would need a record of what happened to defend not only himself, but, that the, uh, but the FBI as well. I think some people are going to take that as he hated this guy, that he hated Donald Trump and he was out for it and he was just going to build this case against him. And I never got that. I never, I, never, I never sensed that from James Comey. To
1: that point, the president seemed quite obsessed with Andrew McCabe. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. Um, He asked at one point, asked again later, whether your guy McCabe has a problem with me. Trump told Comey, yeah, I was pretty rough on him and his wife during the campaign. Of course, his wife, McCabe's wife, uh, running for Virginia State Senate as a Democrat. He accepted a large, or she accepted a large donation from the governor at the time, uh, Terry McAuliffe, and he... Comey writes he's kind of fixated on on McCabe potentially having out for Trump.
0: And we learned yesterday that that there are potentially going to be charges against Andrew McCabe for lying. Sorry, what was it? uh, Lacking candor when it comes to his conversations with Congress and the uh, director of the FBI. We'll come back and talk more about this in just one second. We have an opportunity right here at the Gary and Shannon Show to give you $1,000.
2: You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Got to answer
0: that phone. If they call you, you uh, are the winner. But if you don't answer, they'll move on to somebody else and give $1,000 to somebody who will answer, like Brenda and San Bernardino. Do not forget that this $1,000 is brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got uh, nasty mouth. Call Cunning Dental, 888-640-SMILE. One of the things that um, has been going on, I mentioned the the leak story uh, that James Comey gave information to a friend to leak to, uh, to the media. One of the, I think it's the Department of Justice Inspector General had said that at least two of those memos did contain classified information. Now, I don't know what state that was in. Is it classified? I, I, and I don't know the delineation between these two because i'm not certain if it's classified does that mean that the information in it has not been redacted or is it classified but redacted so that the person who would never the person who received it would never actually know what the classified information was i don't, I don't know the delineation. i don't
1: want to go down that hole no. again between classified <laughs> and redacted and you privileged like
0: doing a hillary clinton impression right there am i right because like she didn't want to exactly that's effort. what i don't
1: want to do I don't want to do that. Let's talk about hookers. Can we get do that? it? Can we get do that? it? The president said this is about the dossier, right? The president said according to Comey the hookers thing is nonsense. But Putin did tell him that we have some of the most beautiful hookers in the world. He did not say when Putin had told him this. Now when Putin says this is a direct quote from Comey attributed to Trump, Putin said, we have some of the most beautiful hookers in the world. Is he talking about Russian hookers or American hookers? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to delineate. <laughs> that, OK, is it, I see. is it the Russian hookers are the best in the world or the American hookers? And would the president take that as an insult if Putin was talking about Russian hookers being the most beautiful in the world? Would Trump then want to have the crown of, no, we have the most beautiful hookers the in The biggest,
0: world. the best, right?
1: This um, is the part that's troubling to me. Trump told Comey, we need to go after reporters. He referred to the fact that 15, 10 or 15 years ago, we put them in jail to find out what they know, and it worked. The president has repeatedly said or tried to jail reporters for doing their job.
0: Uh, this is one of those things. It, it, he may be referring to Judith Miller, uh, a New York Times reporter. She wrote uh, off of the leak of an the identity of CIA operative Valerie Plame. And what's interesting about that is... Scooter Libby? Scooter Libby. And the president <laughs> just pardoned Scooter Libby last week. Right. So it's... Again, the, and this goes back to my, my statement that I believe that James Comey takes... This president too seriously there. Yes, he but you says have things, to
1: when the president says things like we're we should put reporters in jail. And uh, here's the quote. They spend a couple days in jail, make a new friend and they're ready to talk. Uh, and, and you're the president of the United States. Uh, you kind of have to take him seriously.
0: It's an a hole thing to say. But I but I would rather work off what this guy does than what he says. I mean, yeah, if but we, what if...
1: he's doing is what a result of what he's saying. In some, in some spots. In some
0: spots, that's the thing. Not all,
1: but in some spots it is. So how do you know? You're supposed to just pick and choose what to take seriously? Well, I mean, look been, at Nikki Haley.
0: How long has he been saying he's going to fire Robert Mueller? Or he's thinking about firing Robert Mueller and getting rid of Rod Rosenstein? He's been saying that for a well, year Well, he says now.
1: it about everyone. so Except for Jared Kushner and Ivanka. I mean, no one's safe. And they're not really even safe.
0: I mean, I, I think it's totally irresponsible for him to say something like that. But I also don't give it a whole lot of credence. I think that... I think that James Comey took him too seriously.
1: You have to, though. He's the president of the United that, States.
0: And that's the hard part.
1: You know, I, if he's running The Apprentice, it's one thing. It's like, ah, this guy. But, you know, this, <laughs> this guy. guy is this guy now, hookers. Uh, the president. Um, there oh, was... oh, and the president did refer to the dossier information. Oh, that golden shower stuff. I hope, uh, I hope Melania doesn't uh, believe any of that. He said that to Comey.
0: I think of all the things that's the, the
1: fact that he used the term golden showers <laughs> troubles me.
0: There is also we'll get more into this in uh, 1230 when we jump into Swamp Watch. But earlier today, the Democratic National Committee filed a lawsuit against everyone. The DNC filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against Russia, against the Trump campaign, against WikiLeaks, all of them saying that there was a big conspiracy to disrupt the 2016 campaign and tilt the election towards Donald Trump.
1: How did we just run out of time to talk to about that? What? We were going to talk about that, and we ran out of time. Oh, we
0: were talking about hookers and stuff. That's oh, yeah. True. We always get lost. When we start That's true. All right. When we come back, though, um, the, the author of Brotopia, we've talked a lot about the environment, the work environment in Silicon Valley. Emily Chang is going to join us and talk about her book, Brotopia.
1: Breaking up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley. You won't believe what these guys are up to on their off time and not off time. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We are going to get an update on Losing Streak Lois. The grandmother that uh, authorities nationwide were hunting for after she murdered two people. That update's coming up next. But first, talked about this book uh, a while back, Brotopia, Breaking Up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley. Emily Chang wrote this book, host of Bloomberg Technology. And it's a real in-depth look into what goes on up there in the boys club. And you won't believe the story she has.
0: (laughs) Emily, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, uh, talk about being a woman in the world of Silicon Valley. Is it just an awkward place to be?
4: You know, it is really isolating, is what I would say. And obviously, every woman has their own experience. But, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, women hold about 25% of jobs across the industry. They account for about 7% of investors. And companies led by women get just 2% 2% of funding. So it's an uphill battle. I mean, I hardly believe that women are getting just 2% of funding because they have just 2% of good ideas.
1: Do you think that that women are, are locked out? I remember going through excerpts of your book when it first came out. And it seemed like there were a number of stories where women are kind of locked out of, of um, meetings or, or uh, things where they, there could be great opportunity for them just simply because they're women.
4: Right. You know, part of the problem is a lot of business in Silicon Valley gets done outside the office. So, you know, inside the office is a problem, you know, systemic problem. Women are often the only person in the room, the only woman in the room. Um, And so they describe feeling as if they have to do this entire second job, this emotional labor just to prove themselves and prove that they deserve to be there. You know, that said, a lot of business also happens outside the office. So that could be, you know, a party, a tech conference, sometimes a hot tub. And that's where women are put in really uncomfortable positions. And, you know, if they engage, they're almost sort of damned if they do and damned if they don't, essentially.
0: I know you've used um, this movie to kind of, uh, I guess, describe what goes on in Silicon Valley today. But tell me where Hidden Figures, uh, the movie about these women who were working for NASA, how that plays into the way Silicon Valley works today.
4: Well, if you go back to the 1940s and 1950s, women actually played a huge role in the computing industry. They were programming computers for the military and programming computers for NASA. And it literally was like hidden figures, but industry wide. And then as the industry was exploding in size in the 60s and 70s, they were desperate for new tech. So they started doing these personality tests and aptitude tests to identify good programmers. And they hired two psychologists who decided that good programmers, quote, don't like people. Well, if you look for people who don't like people, um, the research. Research tells us you'll hire far more men than women. Um, but also there's no evidence to support this idea that people who don't like people are better at this job than people who do. But these tests were widely used for decades by companies as big as IBM and perpetuated the idea of this antisocial, mostly white male nerds stereotype that persists to this day. And a lot of people think that TV, movies, pop culture created this idea. But in fact, the tech industry created it. And pop culture repeated it. And so, you know, in 1984, women actually peaked in terms of the number of degrees they were earning in computer science. They were earning 37 percent of computer science degrees. That has since plunged to 18 percent, where it's been flat for the last decade. And same with jobs. You know, women had more than a third of jobs in in Silicon Valley in the 80s. And now that's down to the low 20s. And so, you know, this stereotype of who's good at this shuts out more than half the population.
0: Emily Chang is the author of Brotopia, Breaking Up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley. One of the big, uh, I think, headlines that was generated over the last year was when uh, the Google engineer wrote that big memo. James Damore, I think his name was, wrote a big memo in which he argued that James. that men are more biologically suited to this job than women. Did your head blow up when you read that?
4: <laughs> it's indeed. And in fact, after he wrote- wrote that after that memo went public. I had him on my show um, two days later. This is right after he got fired. And we had, you know, a sort of healthy debate. But, you know, basically what he was arguing is that men are biologically more suited to computers than women because men like things and women like people and people who like things are better at this job. And again, there's no evidence of this. And in fact, he was, you know, perpetuating the same sort of toxic assumption that those psychologists made when they were developing those aptitude tests 50 years ago. And there's a great argument to be made that we need people who like people or care about people or are empathetic to the users whose problems they're trying to solve to be, you know, doing these jobs as well. You know, it makes absolutely no sense to have sort of a monolithic kind of culture, building products that are changing the world and are used by billions and billions of people of all kinds. Emily Chang, thank you so
1: much for making time for us. Author of Brotopia, Breaking Up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley. Appreciate
4: it. Thank you so much for having me and shining a light on this topic. I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Uh, All right. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, losing streak Lois. You've heard this story about the woman who killed her husband, made her way down to Florida, found someone who looked like her, and then apparently stole her identity before killing her, too.
1: Also breaking news, Avicii has been found dead, 28 years old. What? Swedish-born artist, you know, electronic music guy. And Oman, of course, he had a lot of health issues, uh, pancreatitis, I think, uh, alcohol-related issues and things, but 28 years old. Pioneer of the contemporary electronic dance movement, rare DJ capable of a worldwide arena tour. He's got two MTV Music Awards, a Billboard Music Award, earned two Grammy nominations. He was just nominated for a Billboard Music Award for Top Dance Electronic Album.
0: Uh, He had a couple of big hits a couple of years ago. Um, Wake Me Up was one of them. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Hey Brother, his also? What's that? Hey Brother, was that also his? Uh, I, don't I don't know if he did that. I know he worked with Aloe Black, but I don't know if, if that was the one that uh, uh, if that was one that he worked on. I don't know. It's a
1: good question. Yes it was. Yes. It was. Heart,
2: I can tell where the journey will end, but I know
0: where to start. They tell me I'm too young to
1: understand.
0: The uh, 28 you said? 28H. right. Uh, Losing Streak Lois when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show.
1: Gosh, I'm reading more about Avicii and uh, really what could be one of the most successful careers in dance music ever. He was signed at uh, 17 years old and was just whipped up in a whirlwind. He retired a couple years ago, 2016, at 26. Uh, after years of highly publicized health struggles, and there was an article in Billboard. Um, they interviewed uh, his one-time label head, uh, Laidback Luke, and he talked about the first few years of heavy touring. Because remember, Avicii was doing worldwide arena tours. The first few years of heavy touring can have a major impact on someone's life, health, sanity. DJs on tour average about four hours of sleep per night with drinking, after parties, adulation, everything that comes with it. They're on tour virtually every week, sometimes every day. And that when laid back Luke saw Avicii in August of 2015, he looked terrible. So bad, in fact, that Luke worried that the 26-year-old would join the 27 club. Well, Dead today I at age 28. Missed it by a year. Hmm. Uh, all
0: right, there's a story that we were talking about earlier this week, which is pretty f- The fun is not the right word. Uh, interesting, we'll say that. Lois Reese was a woman who was accused of killing her husband in Minnesota several days ago. They believe that she stole his money to go gambling, to go gambling in Iowa. Who hasn't uh, gambled in Iowa? Well, Most you know, it's it cold in the, the
1: winter, not much to – oh, Sorry. that's right. I forgot about your gamble with love in Iowa. Do you want to talk about it?
0: I'm totally over it.
1: That was that Thanksgiving trip that you made out there, right? And uh, you found out she was cheating on you and you still made the turkey. But you undercooked it so that everyone would get sick? Yes, they
0: they refer to it in Iowa City as the Great Thanksgiving Bathroom Massacre.
1: What was in the bathroom that you found out or the bathroom that you made the turkey?
0: It was the bathroom they found out that I undercooked the turkey.
1: Oh. Yeah, I get it. So she wasn't in the bathroom. What is that?
0: Oh, is that what mountain lions do? Yeah. Oh, thanks,
1: Blake. Thanks.
0: Blake's showing me what that meant. Yeah.
1: Got it. Exactly. He's even doing one of our other actions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: Lois was known in her small town of Blooming Prairie, Minnesota, population all of uh, 1987, as losing streak Lois because of her well known gambling addiction, apparently. Um, it turns out that she has been arrested finally. At the Sea Ranch Restaurant in South Padre Island, Texas,
1: she was sipping a drink at a bar, which is what you do on South Padre Island, appearing cool as a cucumber until the marshals arrived.
0: Um, I'm going to go through some of the uh, some of the Yelp reviews about this place in just a moment. Okay. But first, uh, investigators believe that March 23rd. Uh, Lois drove to a bank in Glenville, Minnesota, forged her husband's signature to cash more than ten grand in stolen checks from him and his business. And after that, she spent the day gambling at a place called Diamond Joe Casino in Northwood, Iowa. She was. Spotted- Gosh
1: darn it! Let's pull over the car. <laughs> if you get a call from me, yeah, or a text, and I say that I am at uh, the Diamond Joe Casino in Northwood, Iowa, come yeah. come get me. Or send some call the sheriff send, send me to some sort of wellness center
0: <laughs> She was spotted on surveillance stopping at a come and go gas station next to the casino to if purchase If you ever a sandwich get a call or directions. a text from
1: me at come and go gas station <laughs> Yep come get me Got it
0: Um and again this all happened the day that she, that they found her husband dead several uh, several gunshot wounds A few days later
1: actually the Diamond Joe casino looks pretty nice They do a nice steak there Nice steak. It's
0: Iowa. How can you not do a nice steak there?
1: Looks like kind of a fun place.
0: She headed to Florida, and that's where she met 59-year-old Pamela Hutchinson. Now, what was interesting about that is that when they sat down at the Smoke and Oyster Brewery during happy hour, they said, wait a minute, which one is Lois? Oh, they said that Pamela Hutchinson looked enough like Lois that they believe she was just trying to find someone who looked like her, so she could steal the identity.
1: No, uh, Diamond Joe Casino was a Boyd uh, a Boyd Gaming casino. So I already have a card, a player card. Do you really? Yeah.
0: I could think of worse things. Police say they believe that uh, Reese stole all of the IDs after she killed Pamela Hutchinson.
1: Oh, they have Five Dragons Grand slots.
0: In the days after Hutchinson's death in Florida, her Acura with Florida license plates was spotted in Louisiana Uh,
1: and also Dragon Link Panda magic they have
0: outside Corpus Christi, Christi, Texas, which would be just a few hours up the coast from South Padre Island. So U.S. Marshal Service all said uh, and the other police agencies that were looking for her in Florida and Minnesota said that she was armed and considered dangerous. And if you were to see her, you were to call police but not try to approach her. She didn't look armed and dangerous, according to the uh, restaurant manager. She didn't appear suspicious. She'd been sitting there for about an hour and a half, and she got a call from law enforcement identifying her. This is the manager uh, telling her that there was a customer in a restaurant, and they needed to come and arrest them.
1: They don't have high gal. So
0: that's a no go. Uh, Shannon from Augusta, Georgia, says of the Sea Ranch restaurant, this was delicious. I had a very nice, elegant feel to it. I would definitely recommend this place for King Crab Legs and their wine. <laughs> Monica says, well, visiting my relatives in McAllen, we went on a road trip and had dinner. We were very impressed with the decor. And this is one of the higher end restaurants on South Padre Island. Good food, but needs some updating or better lighting. So I guess it's not sometimes, a horrible place.
1: Do you write a lot of reviews for places? I don't
0: write any reviews I for either. places.
1: I don't I, either. I sometimes wonder who has time to to sit, and I could think of so many better things. I know it's like a nice community. You're all helping each other because you're writing reviews for different places, but it just seems tedious to me. But I'm very grateful for the reviews.
0: <laughs> you just don't want to help just, other people. I
1: just. I guess not. <laughs>
0: Uh, U.S. Marshal services—they're not quite sure if she was on her way to Mexico, but uh, it's clear that that would probably be the next stop. If she was able to get through the border, she would make her way to Mexico and wouldn't stand out at all.
1: Coming uh, up next—a yeah. uh, heartbreaker: South Almani High School kid um, is murdered, and it is. Looking like it was one of his closest friends that did it. And this is hitting this high school and the area, the community, very hard. We'll tell you all about it.
0: Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Gary and Shannon, this may be the first Aussie song I remember, specifically Black Sabbath, though, right? Uh, first time we've ever used it as a bumper on this
1: show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, big news today. The DNC has filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the Russian government, the Trump campaign, and WikiLeaks. They are talking a big, massive conspiracy to disrupt the 2016 campaign and tilt the election to Donald Trump. We'll have all the latest coming up in Swamp Watch about what this means, if anything, and uh, and, and how it will play out.
0: It won't. But maybe that's what we get into. Um, there is a uh, uh, horrific story that unfortunately reminded us of the Blaze Bernstein case from Orange County, if you remember that. Um, administrators at South El Monte High School called uh, the parents of uh, Jeremy Sanchez, 17-year-old junior, because he never showed up for class on Wednesday. Now that's weird. It was weird for him to miss school, and dad filed a missing persons report. This okay? I don't. I don't know what it would take for me to file a missing persons report on my kid, but that probably would be one of them as if she didn't show up to school dad gathers a couple of people uh a close friend uh another teenager with whom he was romantically involved and their search takes him to this area of the san gabriel river trail where the 16 year old that jeremy was involved with said he had made a tragic discovery and you can see jeremy's body There were stab wounds.
1: Looks like he died there.
0: He was face down in the bushes, apparently. At this point, his actions, the 16-year-old who says he, finger quotes, found Jeremy's body, made investigators believe that something was hinky here. This is somebody who obviously planned this, according to Lieutenant John Corrine of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, who tried to plan it well and who then tried to throw everybody off. They arrested the 16-year-old boy. They say that that 16-year-old was the one who killed 17-year-old Jeremy.
1: Friends and instructors describe Jeremy as a popular student, played football, and wrestled was on the varsity football team, quarterback, uh, known as a free-loving young man, wore a grin that easily turned into a full-toothed smile or a laugh. He was a little guy. He was 5'6 or 5'7, but had a athleticism, a deep knowledge of the sports he played. He was also a wrestler, I believe. He was quick to make people laugh. Um, big sadness on that whole campus. There was a vigil last night. His godmother was there. Christina, she couldn't even speak, really, um, just talking about why would somebody do this? You know, why would they take him from us? Uh, Yarvis is a teammate on the football team, told KTLA that his death did not hit him until, until yesterday, that Jeremy's death didn't hit him. Uh, he said, just this morning it all came to me. I just fell apart. He was a great friend, always smiling, cracking jokes. He was my quarterback. I was his go-to receiver, rV says. Uh, Kevin, also on the school football team, said he was like a little brother to me. He meant everything. He would always put a smile on my face.
0: This is a strange, uh, almost like dichotomy between the image that a lot of people talk about him and his physical characteristics. He was a small guy, like 5'6", 130 pounds. And if you're playing high school football these days, that's that's Pretty small, but that he was very athletic. He loved football. He knew football uh, in terms of the the X's and O's, and he knew what it took to play the game. One close friend of Jeremy's said that Jeremy was bullied at school, though, and that he was often alone in that he was popular in that he was well-known, but maybe not popular in sort of the in-crowd clique, perhaps. I see. Uh, His friends have been sharing memories since they learned of his death. He was quick to make people laugh. One video that uh, some of the teammates showed was him rolling down a hill in a tire and he comes out and he's laughing and giggling because he's totally dizzy. But you can imagine that uh, the toll that this takes, even if the kid is not in the, you know, the center circle of the weird and horrible click world that is high school. If he's known you know the the idea of going to school and not seeing that kid's face every day can be shattering to a lot of people.
1: Well, and the fact that he was murdered—you know, somebody that was stabbed to death as a teenager—I mean, that's something that that stays with you your whole life. It's a poor family, you know.
0: It was it was just last week, as a matter of fact, or I guess a couple of weeks ago, that um, there was a big Passover seder in memory of Blaze Bernstein. If you remember, he was one who came home from college, uh, met a friend or an acquaintance late one night and ended up uh, dying at that guy's hands, allegedly. And there was some discussion about whether or not Blaze Bernstein's sexuality played a part in that, whether there was an advance that wasn't accepted or wasn't wanted or whatever was going on. But there is a there is some, I guess, angle of this as well that the 16-year-old who's now been arrested on suspicion of murder was more than just a friend, that it was, in fact, in a romantic relationship with this guy. At least that's according to the sheriff's department. So they're trying to figure out if that plays into this stabbing. Was it, It's. I mean, it seems trite to say it this way. Was it a lover's quarrel? I mean, was Obviously. it a, a fight that they got into? Yeah,
1: it had to have been. I mean, because stabbing deaths are very intimate, you know, and they were already together and love is the only love gone wrong is the only thing it's going to turn into a stabbing murder like that. Unfortunately, Uh, very sad. Uh, Coming up next, Gavin Newsom has been Lieutenant governor for quite some time. And every time there's a Lieutenant governor running for governor, I remember it was it uh, how was it? It wasn't Cruz Bustamante, was it? Was it? Maybe. I think it may have been. Uh, There was, one of the times I remember going through, what does a lieutenant governor actually do? Well, you know what? It's not very much.
0: It's very ceremonial. Very
1: little, and it turns out Gavin Newsom hasn't even done the little that's expected of him. <laughs>
0: Great. We also have a thousand dollars we're giving away thanks to Cunning Dental Triple Eight Six Forty Smile. If you got some nasty teeth, we'll tell you how to win that. Coming up next on the Gary and Shannon Show.
1: This was about what? Stop it. I, because I, I hadn't heard this song since my childhood and hadn't really listened to the words until just now. Do you know? I thought uh, it was just about Jesus.
0: Eric Clapton, and I think he did it with Cream. He did a song called Cocaine. Do you yeah. know what that one was about? Yeah. What?
1: Yeah, I know what that's about. Okay. But this song, I just thought was a happy little ditty about Jesus. I- <laughs> But it's about pot and... But you couldn't figure out why they would never sing
0: this song in your Catholic school.
1: Well, they only sang pure Jesus songs. Right, exactly. You know, on Eagles' Wings was my favorite.
0: Well, if you need to buy some pot, we have $1,000 we need to give away. Let's get it.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200.
0: Got to answer that phone. If you win, they will call you from a number you don't recognize. But if you don't answer, someone else is going to win. Someone like, I don't know, Joyce in Artesia. She won a $1,000. And... We have another chance to win an hour from now all the way through 7 o'clock tonight. That first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away $1,000 an hour.
1: Well, the L.A. Times is doing some good campaigning for Antonio Villaraigosa. There was an investigation by the L.A. (laughs) Times. They did a deep dive. They reviewed a bunch of attendance records for Gavin Newsom and his duties as lieutenant governor. Now, you'll remember when Gavin Newsom was elected uh, lieutenant governor, he repeatedly made it clear that he was upset with the job. He was frustrated with it because you do so little. There was nothing for him to do. I remember the interview he did where he's like, this job's a joke. There's, there's no duties. There's no responsibilities. The official portfolio for the office is very thin. He was right about that. Uh, it does include sitting on boards that oversee the state's higher education system and public lands, Uh, leading an economic council, serving as acting governor when California's chief executive is out of state or otherwise unavailable. But Newsom missed many of these meetings, many, 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 the ones held by UC Board of Regents, uh, California State University Board of Trustees, California State Lands Commission. Now I know this is dry stuff, very tedious, very boring. I would miss these meetings too. But I certainly but wouldn't miss the meetings in one hand and complain about the lack of nothing to do in the other. That's your job. And that's your job. Like that's that's the thing is, you know, the lieutenant
0: governor's not making a million dollars a year. Well, I don't even know I'll what Google the salary it. is. I'll okay. Google it. So I'm going to guess. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think the lieutenant governor of the state of California, can I write, I'll write a number down and see okay. how close I come. I think he makes that much a year. And then you, you don't. I already you.
1: looked it up. Oh, you
0: did? Yeah. I said $168,000 a year.
1: That's high. He oh, really? He makes 130000 Okay.
0: So the lieutenant governor makes $130,000 a year. He gets driven around by CHP officers and probably has the use of uh, Jerry Brown's, what was it? a Secretary?
1: 1967
0: Comet or whatever he was driving around in uh, an airplane if he needs it, that sort of thing, right? He gets stuff. Handed to him as the lieutenant governor for doing a whole lot of nothing. He's still thirsty.
1: Yes, that <laughs> breakfast burrito had about four bags of salt in it. In the time Wait, I was quick speaking, story. you just drank a gallon quick, of water. Quick story about salt. When I was in Thailand, right, at these food markets right. where you want to go vegetarian because the fish and the chicken is just lying out there. And it's you're like, how long has this been out there? And it's hot and it's humid and you can smell it all. It's ugh. Well, at these open-air markets, there's not a lot of air. They sell huge bags of salt. They've got big salt farms out there. They sell these massive bags of salt. And my husband's like, "What do they do with all that salt?" And I'm thinking, salt will preserve their meats. Those meats yep. that have been sitting out there for four weeks because they've they've got the salt.
0: Nobody wants a sweaty meat.
1: No. <laughs> It's a sweaty
0: meat. So Gavin Newsom makes... It's going to happen, whether well, you like it or not. 131, you said? 130,000? 130,
1: 130 and change.
0: 130 and change. So 131, we'll round up for the lieutenant governor. He gets all this stuff handed to him. He has very few specific responsibilities other than stand by and wait for the governor to leave leave the state or go into the hospital, right? That's That's basically what the lieutenant governor does. The UC Board of Regents meeting, the Cal State Trustees meeting, and the State Lands Commission meetings, since 2011, he has been to just over half of the UC Regents and the State Lands Commission meetings, and less than a third of the Cal State Board of Trustees meetings. So this guy's skipping out on every single meeting that he's supposed to be going to. I'm exaggerating, but you understand the point. If that's all he's been asked to do is to sit on, a, and again, like you said, this is like like eating cardboard. There's nothing to it. There's very little in there in terms of nutritional value and very unexciting, but that's his job. He described it this way, and he was actually paraphrasing something from John, Kent, uh, John Kerry, who himself was a lieutenant governor at one point. He said, this is what you do. You wake up every morning, you pick up the paper, you read the obituaries, and if the governor's name doesn't appear in there, you go back to sleep.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> two years into the job, during a break in filming his current TV show, Newsom was asked by a friend how frequently he went to Sacramento, and Gavin Newsom said, like one day a week tops. There's no reason it's just so dull. <laughs> A few months later, as a Times reporter trailed him in the Capitol, he stopped when a woman asked him to pose for a picture with her son. The boy asked him what a lieutenant governor did does, and Newsom replies, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> this is your state of California, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and why are leading. we getting rid of the position? If he's it's just a stepping if it's just a political stepping stone, why are we paying the hundred and thirty thousand to this person to just Do nothing. Why have the the seat in the it's just in case the governor dies. Well, why doesn't that go to the head of the assembly? Why are why do we even have this position? Well, I I don't know. I would love to get in there and cut the fat. Just get in there, sit in a room and just start firing people
0: around Sacramento.
1: Yeah, it would be A, a state government. Just just there's so much redundancy.
0: That would be an interesting exercise, but I think you're right. Gov- Lieutenant Governor would probably be well, and that would add a lot of different. You know, uh, we got to
1: get John and Ken on this. You got to get them to start uh, getting rid of that job.
0: That would add some importance to uh, to the, who you chose as your state assembly person, your state assembly member, because then they get sure. to choose who the speaker is. Yep, uh, that would make a huge difference. Not that anybody cares about. I mean. How many people are going to the polls to rush to the polls to vote for their state legislature?
1: So I'm looking at what's next here in our in our pile of topics, and uh, it's like a backyard, and it's all about um, landscaping and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are we talking about here? <laughs> And then I forgot that Dean Sharp is joining us. He and him. he knows all about landscaping and what's the latest. He knows about it. We don't. That was, That's what that's was going on in my mind. Like, how, to... how are you and I going to sit here and talk about backyard landscaping?
0: We're never going to be able to do that.
1: God, no. But Dean can better than anyone else.
0: We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. This whole world
5: has gone apart. right now, so
2: am I. I'm moving on.
1: and the lack of a need for a lieutenant governor since the role requires so few things I think that students in this state are learning from the professionals because UC Berkeley has just elected a squirrel to its school senate oh. uh, so that's that's what's happening in California we'll get to that story coming up well,
0: but Yeah for those of you just visiting we, we're sorry We're sorry. We're sorry that we are the punchline to every joke about bad states. But the weather, though. But the weather, seriously. Um, Dean Sharp, the house Whisper.
6: So I get lumped in with the squirrel news. No, 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 no. That's not That's not. (laughs) No, I get
1: it. I get it. um, Does anybody call you Sharpie?
6: Uh, Yeah, in high school, a lot. Really? Even though there's no E on the end of my name. And how did
1: you feel about it?
6: I I wasn't real thrilled.
1: Well, because I call, like, Brian Suits, I call Suits suits Suitsy. I think it's just like a term of endearment.
6: Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, I don't, okay. I don't have a problem with it. You I can just call, me call, me. Gary. call me Sharpie. Feel free call me Sharpie. I was never really offended by it. You can't do that many weird nicknames. Right. Dean is not a weird name. No. But it's not a super common name either. Right. And it's just Dean. I mean, there it is. It, you, you know. yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, their name was Andrea. And I had to ask, is, is that... Is it Andrea Andrea? or is it Andrea? Yeah. I said, you have one of those names where if you are kind of feeling snooty and you want to put somebody down, you can correct how they are pronouncing your name. Yeah. But not with, I never get, <laughs> I, I, I never yeah, get that. I I'm like, no, it's, it's day on.
0: <laughs> Thank uh, you very much. Let's talk about, this is such an interesting way to look at landscaping. This concept, I mean, everybody uses rocks to some degree, whether it's, you yes know, pavers or, um, you know, a big boulder that's sort of an eye catcher or something like that out there in the yard. Yep. Everyone's got some stone of some kind in their yard. This, I've, I don't think I've ever seen it used in this form i've seen it used in a military
6: fashion Stones sure. in
1: cages
6: all right so here's the thing we're going to earn my keep here for the weekend everybody who's listening who's a diy or who's even thinking about redesigning their rear yard landscape you got to think about this and i'll tell you why because just like you i am getting super super bored with and tired of uh, railroad uh, pile sure. planters and slump stone planters and cinder block planters and all of it's the, so you know, yesterday all of, it is just so <laughs> and and those little interlocking uh, retaining wall blocks that with the rough faces sure. that and the little hooks on the back it's just like I'm so oh I was over it ten years ago I was over it so there is, I just happened to be doing a project a custom project for a client right now where I. Kind of conceived that this this concept of a gabion cage would be perfect for her application, and it's just it's been on my mind, and I thought I would just come and share it with you guys. So, a gabion cage, spell it for people. G A B I O N. That's and it. if you you know you look this up on Wikipedia, you get the whole history. Gabion, this is an ancient, ancient form of erosion control and wallscaping. The Egyptians did a version of this, not using wire baskets, but using wicker baskets to hold back the banks of the Nile from eroding during flood season. The Romans renamed it. The the word gabion comes from gabion, which is like an Italian word that means big cage. Oh, that's nice.
2: (laughs) That's good. And so basically it's a
6: cage of wire mesh that you fill with rocks, okay? It's a cage full of rocks, but the applications are... Furniture, planters, benches, fences, garden walls, fountains, water features, fire pits. Uh, We can even clad the outside of a house with this. And it just works on the principle. I think the easiest way to explain it is it works on the sandbag principle. If you've ever seen sandbags stacked up, it's friction and mass and porosity. In other words, that air and water can move through it. You put those three things together and you contain them in a container. And you can stack, just like sandbags, you can stack them high, thick, and they can do an amazing thing. So this is kind of the wire and rock version of a sandbag that is a permanent feature. Engineers in other countries will use these to create dams and levees. I assume it's pretty cheap to do it. Well, here's the thing. It's just...
0: It's a wire cage that you yeah. fill up with rocks.
6: So and it can it, be
1: aesthetically very pleasing.
0: Yes. You can choose specifically the stones you're going to put in there that would be... Exactly. And if you... Uh,
6: the uh, the Gabian Masters, the guys who really know what they're doing, uh, they don't end up using all of their money on the attractive stones throughout. What they'll do is they'll stack the most attractive stones on the outside edge where you see them and they'll, they'll
0: backfill the interior with gravel or or cheap rock just to hold it all in I'm place i'm trying to find some sort of a parallel between that and radio but i can't that's in there somewhere i'll work it out <laughs> later um in in a, a military version of this if if anybody has seen this i looked it up is called a hesco bastion which is also a giant i mean it, it's a box it's not done for exactly for, um, yeah. this is a cousin for of visual purposes. yes for, for visual reasons but it's a it's a box filled with rocks That can be portable, that can be moved. You empty it out. You move the the barrier to a different area, but it's for safety purposes. Yes. So
6: So the the application that I'm doing is uh, my client has an above-ground spa, you know, one of those just typical above-ground spas with the typical from the spa company kind of the the fiberglass cladding around the edge that's supposed to look like wood, but nobody buys it. And we all know (laughs) that they get faded and ugly and they warp and so on. And her challenge to me is, okay, let's put the spa in the backyard. I don't want to bury it or anything, but can we make it really classy? And so I'm surrounding this spa with three-foot uh, three tall by 18-inch deep gabion cages, and then we're putting a wood deck on the top. And it actually, that rock experience that you see, this rock wall blends in with some other features that we've done in her backyard, and it's just sexy. It's kind of a, a real tension of very modernist-looking stuff, with uh you know rocks so is is this a
0: diy thing i mean absolutely where do you even start it
6: well here's the thing there are a ton of diy videos online so if you just start looking up how to build a gabion cage you're going to get all sorts of ideas people do them out of chicken wire which i don't recommend they do them out of chain link fencing they do them out of the rolls of concrete wire mesh that you can buy from home depot Uh, You just got to be careful. You got to learn. You know, there's some physics involved here, right? You don't want the walls bulging out, but it can be done super inexpensively. And then if you want something really high-end architectural, then uh, there are companies. There's a couple of companies here right in Southern California. Believe it or not, it's all they do is make heavy-duty, quarter-inch-thick mesh gabion cages. And you just go on their website, and you can put in the dimensions that you want. They'll build it to order and ship it to your house. You assemble it and fill it with rocks. What's coming up on the program? This weekend I'm talking about glass. Okay. Glass and the the way that glass and our our modern use of glass is changing the way we build our houses. Specifically how uh, you know we've morphed from the separate family room and kitchen to the kitchen family room combo unit and then outdoor living which we always talk about. Now the only thing that stands in between us uniting the kitchen, the family room and the outdoor patio is getting rid of the small doors and sliders and installing a wall of glass.
1: Dean Sharp, host of Home here on KFI. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, guys. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment.
2: Nealizes. Don't criticize.
1: And Shannon, Avicii, dead at 28 years old, body found today in, uh, in Oman, electronic dance uh, superstar selling out worldwide arena tours, got very famous very quickly, very young, and it looks like that took a toll on him and his health. Don't know how he died uh, yet, but very sad. Avicii dead at 28 today. Other big news today, the Democratic National Committee filing a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the Russian government, the Trump campaign, WikiLeaks, saying that they all were engaged in a conspiracy to disrupt the campaign.
0: We're going to do more of that in the uh, in Swamp Watch because there's a lot to that.
1: Conspiracy is not hard to prove.
0: Someone's just dragging me across the coals on Instagram today for this, for this case. Really? It, yeah, well, he's been tagging me in... Uh, These these memes that have nothing to do with us, but he's tagging our show uh, in these bizarre things talking about how, uh, let's see, impeach the loser is one of these hashtags or sorry, one of the Instagram accounts. And it says Gary from Gary and Shannon says it's perfectly fine. President P. Grabber. uh, Well, Horno H's W's while his wife was giving birth to their son. What a scumbag! I wonder what his wife Shannon would say. So, I'm not sure if he's listening to what's going on. I'm not going to tell you his name because it doesn't matter. But, I mean, but this is one of about 12 different things that this guy has posted. Something on, tagged us in it, and we have nothing to do with these posts.
1: Well, people feel very strongly about. <laughs>
0: Just <laughs> a strange because. Have I been the guy who's like, oh, yeah, he could sleep around with the porn stars? and the? No. Oh.
1: But you so- also haven't come out and said, I can't believe this guy sleeping with the porn stars and grabbing the, the parts. You sound a little bit like Cosby there.
0: Sleeping with the porn (laughs) stars and grabbing the pee.
1: Okay. uh, No
0: more of that. We won't say that
1: anymore. UC Berkeley, one of the finer learning institutions here in California, wouldn't you say? I know plenty of people who graduated from Berkeley, who I love very much. Berkeley's a great school. Um, They have just elected a squirrel to the school senate. Squirrel! Furry boy is his name. Would this be like... Someone from
0: Chico State electing a Keystone Light can to student government. <laughs> yes,
1: that's funny. Furry boy. Do people still drink Keystone Light? Like, is it still out there? Blake. Blake doesn't know. Blake oh, drinks right. lemonade d- and boba. He
0: did just drink his first glass of wine the other day.
1: Yes, I did. I feel like such <laughs> a did. failure. What's wait? What's wrong with boba? Why'd you use nothing? It as a bad boba. Name? He loves boba. Boba's
0: delicious. Juice with snot balls in the bottom of the cup. Mm
1: -hmm. Well,
7: if you're not a... He loves
1: those slimy balls. If
0: you're a texture person, it doesn't go well. But I'm not a texture person, so I'm fine. After the Associated Students at UC Senate tabulated their votes, um, they realized they're going to have to change some of the furniture in their meeting space.
1: Furry Boy resides in Berkeley's Eucalyptus Grove and is endorsed by the UC Berkeley Memes for Edgy Teens Facebook page. Oh, well, then hell, if he's got their endorsement. He finished the election in the top ten, so he's got a seat among the 19 other senators.
0: Um, Good Lord. Stephen Boyle, who should be punched squarely in the eyeball, is the sophomore who has been running the satirical campaign for furry boy. I shouldn't say that he shouldn't. I, physical violence is not what, but people should walk by him and tisk. That's what they should.
1: We do. may be going the way of fiction books in this country, with government being a complete joke to everybody and not mattering very much anymore. Uh, in in decades to come, uh, in that Ready Player One book, they have a government, but nobody pays attention to it because it doesn't mean anything. And then they have a government that governs the internet or their virtual reality internet that they all like are obsessed with. And that's the government people care about. And wouldn't that so be the case in this country? If we had the government in Washington and then the government that is in charge of things that you consume, whether it's uh, publications or entertainment or any of that, you'd have a hell of a lot more people engaged with, with that body. Wouldn't you?
0: I'm, I, remember running for student government, granted it was high school, but we talked about things like, you know, pizza Fridays and better assemblies and, uh, a new parking system for seniors or something like that. That's, I, I was mean, always and,
1: into being vice president because like Gavin Newsom, oh, I knew I didn't have to do anything. And I
0: was Chris oh, Johnson so was, was the president That's and so I was funny. the vice president it, and it was the easiest job except that time that Chris was in the hospital I and I had to take when over they're the absent.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: But... <laughs> but how how nice must it be to be student in student government at a UC campus like Berkeley right where everything is taken care of for you granted Berkeley is and and rightfully so a major uh, what would you call it a major co- pillar is the right word that's what i'm looking for a pillar when it comes to politics in california you may not agree with the politics that come out of Berkeley but you can't argue that it's not important this guy's talking about focusing on campus sustainability, and I'm not talking about Furry Boy. I'm talking about uh, Stephen Boyle, the guy who put it together. He wants to talk about campus sustainability, disabled students, and community development. Okay. That's what he wants to talk about.
1: What does the squirrel want to talk about?
0: If Well, he wanted to talk about advocacy for squirrels, community representation, and, and basic nuts. security. He did want to create a sidekick named Nutty McNutnut, And foster safe spaces for squirrels. You're making that up. I am not. And bridge the divide between humans and
1: squirrels.
0: Nutty McNutnut. Nutty McNutnut was the mascot he wanted to build. He wanted to come up. Anyway, I'm sorry, Berkeley. I'm sorry, 20-year-olds of this generation. I'm sorry that we have failed you to the point where you're (laughs) so freaking bored that you have to vote Furry Boy and his sidekick, Nutty McNutnut, to your student senate. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry we gave you smartphones. I'm sorry we've gotten you addicted to tablets and screens. I'm really sorry. And you should be ashamed of yourself. You should still know better. We'll do what's trending when we come back. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. If anyone don't
4: like it,
0: just look them in the eye. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. Now you won't see no sad and teary eye. When I get my wings, and it's
1: my time to fly.
0: Carrie and Shannon on this Friday, 420. Oh my friends and tell- oh. There's a party, come on. There's Snoop Dogg. just roll me up and smoke me when I die.
2: You can't
1: have 420 without Snoop Dogg. Me up and smoke me when
0: I My daughter said we should leave cookies out for Snoop Dog. Like
1: yes. Did you?
0: That's going around on Instagram.
1: She, Mil-
0: stole she stole that. I know. Kids Mil- kids don't have original jokes. They steal them all from them.
1: Milk and cookies.
0: Milk and cookies? Yeah, like Santa. See, I know, I know like Santa... I don't think he's duh.
1: You just got so mad. I know, like Santa. Uh, you just had an, as many syllables in Santa as I had this morning when I was yelling at Blake. Blake.
2: What else is going on? Time for What's Happening.
1: Some passengers on the Southwest Airlines flight that experienced that deadly engine failure this week have told reporters that they have received monies and the promise of a travel voucher from Southwest. Apparently, Southwest has cut a $5,000 check to each passenger and the promise of a $1,000 traffic uh, travel voucher. Here's mm. the deal. You cash that check and you are no longer available to sue. I'm not saying that Southwest should be sued. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if you intend to sue the airline and you cash that $5,000 check, that's all you're getting.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's interesting because the letter that they send with the check doesn't say any of that. At least the one that's published with this story from ABC. I wonder how much fine print is in that. The rest of that letter, if there's more to it. When they talk about there's a, the thousand dollar travel voucher comes in a separate email that you could use for future travel. I'm sure that also has a lot of that same legalese, you know, fine print stuff in there to say that. Um, That that story is not going away. And the family, by the way, has the family of the woman who was killed, I think, has said uh, that they're it's way too early to talk about a lawsuit. They're going to they're whether they sue or not, they're going to get a huge payout from Southwest. It's just an unfortunate accident. But that's the way things are done.
1: The Democratic National Committee is in the news. They filed a lawsuit against the Russian government, WikiLeaks Trump campaign, and its associates arguing that there was a big conspiracy to influence the 2016 presidential campaign and in a way that uh, tilted it towards Trump. This was filed in federal court in Manhattan. It claims millions of dollars of damages. It alleges violations of everything from conspiracy to uh, violations of federal copyright laws, Trade Secrets Act, we're going to be talking to Aaron Katursky coming up in Swamp Watch about what it all means.
0: There was a shooting today at a high school in Florida, gunshots at Forest High School in Ocala, Florida, about 38 miles south of Gainesville. Within minutes, a school resource officer was on campus, found a 17-year-old student had, who had been shot, non-life-threatening injuries. And the shooter, a 19-year-old who's not a student at that school taken into custody without incident. The wounded student was transported to a hospital for treatment and is going to be just fine. Uh, they, they said that this did appear to be intentional, but they're not quite sure if the suspect was targeting the person, the 17-year-old that he hit. So we're not quite sure exactly the circumstances of this, but this, just hap- this happened literally minutes before the thousands of students walked out across the country.
1: That. You've heard in Amy's news throughout the morning, uh, happened this morning, to rally against uh, school gun violence. They're hoping that this event will empower young people to continue the momentum that they have carried uh, since the shooting at Stoneman Marjorie Douglas High School. This, of course, the anniversary of Columbine, where two students opened fire in 1999, killing 12 classmates and one teacher.
0: I cannot believe that that was 19 years ago. I actually I uh, was working in Seattle at the time, and I flew out that night after covering the story on the air, doing wall-to-wall coverage that we, the, what we knew and what we could do then, and just being amazed at the idea that someone would have done that. I mean, it was, it was at that point, the craziest story that there were multiple deaths. We didn't know the number. Uh, I flew into Denver in the middle of the night and drove to the school and was at the school by say four or five the next morning and remember specifically the the county sheriff's spokesman who did all of those news conferences white-haired guy i think his name was steve jones steve johnson something like that and he came out and he said there were 13 students bodies and i think it was two teachers who were killed
1: there's a book written by uh, david cullen dave cullen just called columbine is a spectacular read on um, not just what happened that day but about how everything played out uh, the backgrounds uh, spent a lot of time getting to know the, the, the people who, who died and their families and, and just about the entire incident if, if you're interested uh, Avicii Avicii's been found dead 28 years old unfortunately um in the past, he had suffered acute pancreatitis due in part to excessive drinking. After that, he said, you know what? I learned my lesson. He Kind of got into a, um, a pattern when he was touring. There's free alcohol everywhere. He said he would have champagne at night, Bloody Marys in the morning, and wine on the plane every day for like a year. And he said, and then he had the pancreatitis and was like, you know what? I've got a new rule. I'm not going to drink two days in a row. Then he, he decided to retire two years ago. He said it was just taking too big of a toll on him.
0: Hey, they said that this was his biggest hit. This is called uh, Levels. Oh, yeah. This was hit. all
1: you could hear in 2011. No matter where you went, what you had on the radio, it was this song. I think it was 2011, maybe 2012. Um, but, you know, he started producing when he was 16, started touring when he was 18. He was in it 100%, and it was too much. So we don't know how he died. Prince.
0: But, uh, let's do this This one, the city. No, you want to save that?
1: Yeah, because Prince, uh, I want to end with that one. Because
0: oh, smarter. You're smart. Get it.
1: Prince uh, apparently had really caused his closest confidants a lot of concern before he died. Um, they had grown increasingly alarmed about his health in the days before he died, going as far as to trying to get him help when they realized that this was an opioid addiction they were dealing with.
0: I'm scrunching my face at this only because what what was it that then tipped them to the point of actually seeking help for the guy? Because we'd known for years that this was going on. And the people who were getting prescriptions in their name to give to him had been doing it for yeah, years. Yeah, it's
1: easy to say post-haste, oh, yeah, we were really concerned. It's like, you know what, you knew what was going on, and you stood by. Um, His longtime friend and bodyguard, Kirk Johnson, told investigators he had noticed Prince looking just a little frail but didn't know about he- an opioid addiction until he passed out on a plane a week before he died.
0: My wife has a good Prince story. She was jogging through Westwood one time when she was a student at oh, UCLA. Yeah? And literally ran into Prince. Oh, wow. He was coming. It was early in one morning, like Saturday or Sunday morning. And he's coming out of a a, like a newsstand and full Prince regalia. I mean, you never saw him out of the, you know, the extravagant clothes and the heels at seven in the morning.
1: Wow. And what did he say to her? Full
0: makeup. I'm sorry. It's
1: funny. Uh, There's a council member who's calling for a marijuana amnesty box at LAX. Yeah, seriously. No. Council member Mitch Englander wants to introduce legislation calling for marijuana amnesty boxes at LAX. So you can just uh, say you're going somewhere and you're like, oh, man, my weed, it's still on me.
0: His office actually put out a statement that says we want to make sure that residents and visitors to L.A. can enjoy a bummer-free experience at our airport. Stop it.
1: Bummer-free. That's not what it said.
0: Bummer-free. No wonder
1: people are electing squirrels.
0: (laughs) Because at least they won't put out statements that say bummer, free. Hey, speaking of which, why am I getting so upset about all this? I don't know. Speaking of which, you got nothing to do with the four good hours of your day? Why not go forest bathing? That sounds like fun.
1: We'll talk about that when we come back. (laughs) Forest
2: bathing. (laughs) Lord.
0: Well, thank you to Dr. Cunning at Cunning Dental. You got nasty mouth. Paul Cunning Dental, Triple H, 640 smile. Why am I thinking Dr. C? Because he's behind the $1,000 that we're giving away right now.
2: You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword, Bills, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's Bills to
1: 200-200. Uh, uh, Got it.
0: Answer that Northern phone. Northern
1: California. <laughs>
0: They'll call you and let you know you won $1,000. are not, our- well, t- an hour from now.
1: <laughs> These are our- All the
0: way through 7 o'clock tonight, the first hour of the con. These are our people. No, these are not our people. This and- is
1: a stone's throw from where my parents live. It's a thing up there I in grew in Northern California. I
0: grew up exactly where they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Sonoma County.
1: Yeah. Uh, forest bathing. <laughs> it's a full-blown movement. It doesn't involve bathing. Uh, it's figurative bathing. As in you. Oh
0: my gosh, it feels like I can hear.
1: Doesn't this feel nice? No. Okay, so this is what we do. Ready? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> what we do is we just walk very slowly okay. through the forest. Okay. okay. Right now we are at Quarry Hill Botanical Garden in Glen Ellen We are going down a manicured garden trail It's overlooking a vineyard The idea is to look closely at absolutely everything Remember slow down Gary You have to go slower Like half a dozen steps a minute
0: And you're kicking up dust That's A how minute slow,
1: half a do- 6 steps a minute That's how slow You're not kicking up any dust Blake If you move as fast as Gary is with- going Stepping very slowly. And you're looking at everything.
0: When is lunch?
1: Twigs. You're examining the twigs. You're if inspecting... You if a piece of bark,
0: you can eat that. You
1: only can't eat it, the bark. Only if it's falling. Shut up, Blake. You inspect all the leaves. If you see an ant, like that one right there. Oh, don't touch it. Just watch it. How much am I paying for this? You're not paying anything for it, unless you hire a forest therapy guide, like myself. You can also buy a $15 paperback book called Your Guide to Forest Bathing. The slower you go, guys, the more you experience. We're always in a hurry these days. It's time I've, to slow down. Question: I have a
0: question to New Shannon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Let's just say that. What is
1: your relationship to that purple flower right there?
0: I don't have a relationship. I don't know what you're talking about. Think it over. I'm not thinking about my relationship.
1: Don't rush. This is all about taking your time. The flower is not going anywhere, Gary. Look at that bird.
0: I can't even see the bird.
1: Think about the flower.
0: Can I ask a question to new Shannon yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say New Shannon. Let's say Old Shannon was hiking on a trail somewhere, mm-hmm. and some schmo is dragging their feet at ten steps per minute.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, what do you do? Do you go? Oh, that guy must be enlightened. I'm going to bathe in the forest like he Wait, is. Which
1: Shannon is this?
0: This is Old Shannon.
1: Oh, she's not here right now.
0: No, no, That's why I'm asking to talk to her You'll because have to ask I think her later I think she's more sane than this Shannon. If
1: you want to try one of my forest bathing workshops. Or you can learn to think about your relationship with that flower. That'll set you back uh, fifty bucks. You want to go on one of my forest bathing treks? No. You want to learn to be me? No. You want to learn to be new, Shannon? That'll cost you three thousand four hundred dollars in a I, forest I, bathing workshop. What? what? Question.
0: Yes, you in the back with your hand on the flower. What? As this trek moves quite slowly. Yes. How long? And of what distance would this $50 cover? Apparently 50 yards Blake, to go this from the parking ha- this lot. This isn't
1: about how much bang for your buck can you get. This isn't about getting a workout. You know, it's going to be a five-mile hike or anything like no, that. No, 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 I don't mean it in that
0: situation. I mean how long will I have to um, learn, learn from your enlightened ways.
1: Uh. H- however long it takes. Like I said, that flower's not going anywhere. St- you want to think about it for t- five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes.
0: When Steve Rubenstein from the San I'm Francisco here. Chronicle went on his forest bathing adventure, mm-hmm. it took an hour to walk 50 yards. An hour! I think I could fall 50 yards. I think faster than
1: that now. new Gary, angry Gary, Free Shirt Friday Gary. Could benefit from forest bathing.
0: All right, I'll go forest bathe down the hallway. Look for your tree twin while you're out there. (laughs) And and talk to Uh, We're going to get into swamp watch when we come back. Aaron katursky is going to join us. Talk about this loss. Would you shut that bird up? Oh
1: my god!
0: We're going to talk about the Democratic National Committee filing a lawsuit against you and you and you and you and and everybody gets a lawsuit.
1: Ever since Oscar left, you haven't gotten a 22nd hug, so that might need to happen in the break. Nick.
7: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the
1: swamp. Swamp watch. Right now someone in IT has control of my computer they're doing some sort of updates or something and it's terrifying because i don't know what's going to appear on the screen you know what i mean (laughs) like i don't know you know what if they put up something from the dark web on my screen
0: it wouldn't be the first time
1: big news today democratic national (laughs) committee filing this multi-million dollar lawsuit against the russian government the trump campaign and the wikileaks organization They're talking conspiracy to disrupt the campaign and tilt that election to Donald Trump.
0: One of the few people not named in this lawsuit is uh, Aaron Katursky, who's joining us to talk more about all of this. Uh, They uh, cast quite a wide net in their lawsuit, didn't they?
3: These are uh, allegations of a sweeping conspiracy using the same racketeering statutes that the the feds used to uh, employ to bring down the mob. And they said that the Russians found a willing and active partner in the Trump campaign to not only hack into the, the, the DNC, but also to to use that information um, in what they called a uh, a brazen attempt to undermine American democracy.
1: Did they show any math in this filing?
3: Any, any what?
1: Any math? Uh, any ev- specific evidence beyond their, their major points?
3: No, I, I think the, um, the, the evidence that they use is everything that we have already heard. This was really a, a compilation of all of the, the public information that's been available. Um, you know, Court documents and, and, and records, uh, news accounts, all pulled together to tell a narrative that seems like the first draft of, of what Democrats would want Robert Mueller to write, albeit with more supporting evidence and criminal charges.
0: Are we seeing uh, this get ahead of the Mueller investigation? Are they making conclusions here, or coming to conclusions that Mueller hasn't even come to yet?
3: They're, they're certainly making the case for collusion in in alleging what they what they do, um, and we know that you know Mueller isn't there yet, if if he's ever going to be there. And the standard is certainly different because the DNC. Um, is actually bringing a real tort. They claim actual harm because they say the hack disrupted their communications and it caused a drop in donations and it affected their systems. And so they said there was real and actual harm and they've asked for damages. So they're, they're, they're suing for money, among other things. And Uh, And and so they they do have a real claim here. But along the way, they are accusing the Russians in in the the actual hack, WikiLeaks, of disseminating the information when it would be convenient for the Trump campaign and the campaign and its operatives of doing everything they can to help facilitate it.
1: The legal threshold for conspiracy doesn't seem to be too high. I mean, it seems uh, more easy to prove conspiracy. It seems vague
3: uh well criminally uh, there's um you know there's a standard and i think um here they are they're alleging much more than conspiracy i mean they are alleging violations of racketeering statutes they're alleging computer fraud um they're making specific allegations that relate to the hack of the dnc but i think more broadly the the, the dnc is um trying to do a couple of things. One, they insist they're they're connecting all the dots and for Democrats, they say this lawsuit is long overdue. They were hacked starting in 2015. It's been 3 years. Um they are they are due for some kind of redress.
1: So where do we go from here? Uh what's the next step?
3: Well, it'll it'll wind its way through the through the civil court like any other court case uh and and undoubtedly some of the defendants are um you know, we'll we'll try and get it thrown out but I think that that is in fact the the, the biggest danger here I, I'm not sure the Russian government is going to necessarily get ordered to be to, to pay the DNC anything so like that's not going to happen but what this suit does is it opens the door to discovery and depositions of many mm. of the, the central players from the Trump team who have been uh, alleged to have been involved in you know making maximum political use of hacked DNC emails so Even as Mueller operates in secret, the DNC in a way is trying to to force some of this stuff out into the open.
1: And where the stormy Daniels uh, legal shenanigans may come to an end when it comes to depositions, this one could uh, pick up where it left off potentially
3: oh and and sure and and in um, you know a, a much broader fashion, because they're they're naming if not the president himself, uh, a couple of his family members, a number of aides and uh, a number of others who have all been under suspicion by Mueller, but if this lawsuit comes to fruition could be forced to 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 sit for depositions and, and to have some of their files exposed.
0: I was reading through the list of those names and just in terms of those who have been named specifically, like Julian Assange, Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Jared Kushner. There is a list of John Doe's one through 10. Is there a, yeah. is there a chance? Well, I would say it's a slim chance maybe that that one of those would be Donald Trump because wouldn't they just include his name?
3: You'd think. I mean, the campaign itself is named, but uh, I, you know, who can who can speculate? I Ed, whether the, the DNC would, would go that far? They may not quite have the um, quite have the evidence, but you never know. Yeah.
0: All right,
1: Aaron, Aaron, great stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys.
0: Aaron Kotersky, there. Yeah, it goes along the you know the idea that they're in violation of federal copyright laws, trade secrets act. Um, conspiracy, all of these things is what it is that they're looking for. Uh, they're trying to prove, suppose, I suppose. But this is one of the uh, the issues that they're going to have to deal with is you you're throwing it seems way too much at the wall trying to find something to stick that just on the outside appearances that's what this looks like. but I mean they have again, they have named some people who have already been accused of of shenanigans like Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, etc. So there's something there. Whether they can charge the entire campaign or people like Dimples Kushner or not, I don't know.
1: All right, coming up next: Hillary Clinton on election night.
0: Oh my gosh, this is the greatest! It's pretty good. I, this article about her is fantastic. It's pretty good. Gary and Shannon will continue a swamp watch in just a moment.
2: Oh, with the sky.
1: Pull back the curtain. I'm looking at Gary's lunch. It is a baby Tupperware container full of baby carrots, uh, a little baby container of hummus, an apple, and a single egg. That's a good lunch right there. That is protein. That is fruit. That is vegetables. I applaud you, sir.
0: Well, I need something to counteract the blueberry donut I ate earlier
1: today. There was fruit in it.
0: Mm, yes, mm-hmm. I suppose. We're in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and there is a wonderful story. Um, new book. Yes, yeah, a new book called Chasing Hillary, Ten Years, Two Presidential Campaigns, and One Intact Glass Ceiling by Amy Chozik.
1: Ouch, when you read those words, one intact glass ceiling. <laughs> How much does that piss her off?
0: I don't know. It doesn't piss me off. It piss you off. You're a woman.
1: No, I meant uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, that, yes. Um, they have a lot of insight about uh, things that that Hill was was saying during the campaigns. Uh, Like one point, she was talking to a pollster uh, that was working for her, and they were walking through her almost daily reminder that half the country did not like her. And she said, you know, I'm getting pretty tired of hearing about how nobody likes me. Oh, what's the point? They're never going to like me.
0: (laughs) When Joe Biden was floating the idea of running for president way back in 2015, uh, she writes that Biden had confided off the record to the White House press corps that he did want to run, but he added something to the effect of, you guys don't understand these people. The Clintons will try to destroy me.
1: You know who they didn't try to destroy? Donald Trump. They actually saw him, the campaign, as an enemy to encourage.
0: Yeah, because they thought, who would vote for that guy?
1: Tie him to the Republican Party, right. and the Republican Party sinks like a ship. But she didn't... They made the wrong bet there. Yes,
0: she made the wrong calculation there. What's What's interesting is that, that Amy Chozik writes in this book that quote that she got blasted for. Remember, she talked about the... Basketful of deplorables at that New York fundraiser in September of 2016. That was no slip of the tongue. It wasn't an off the cuff comment.
1: She had been using that language for months. She broke down Trump supporters, always did, into three baskets. Basket number one, the Republicans who hated her and would vote Republican no matter who, no matter who the nominee is. Basket number two. Voters whose jobs and livelihoods had disappeared. People who felt like the government let them down. Then she should have gone to those states. Anyway, uh, basket number three, the <laughs> deplorables, the racist, sexist, homophobic people that he appeals to.
0: Yeah. And which is clear. I mean, the question is, and I think her biggest miscalculation is, which of those baskets was bigger?
1: Here's the problem. She got a lot of laughs to that line. Yes, as detailed in the book, she got tons of laughs over that deplorable line. And
0: like any seven year old who tells a joke and gets a laugh, they're going to repeat that line thousands of times. Here's
1: the problem. The audience that she was surrounding herself with when she would talk about the basket of deplorables was, you know, friends in the Hamptons, uh, dinner at Martha's Vineyard, uh, Beverly Hills fundraiser, sunset cocktails in Silicon Valley. That's where it got a laugh
0: not in not in mid america, not, not in, in mid America, which she
1: failed to visit enough, and not
0: in that basket number two, the people whose jobs and livelihoods had been lost, who uh, they disappeared as a result of the government working around them to try to bring some, some health back into the economy. Fast.
1: She said, she, yeah, so I mean she was just trying to say that the deplorables were the racists, the xenophobics, all of that, but the way that she delivered it made it seem like everybody who supported Trump was a deplorable person. Right.
0: There were people who were sexist and would refuse to yes. vote for a woman or homophobic or whatever and, and just didn't they didn't want to vote for her. Yes, there is a basket of those people. Yeah, the but question that's is, not how
1: it was received.
0: She made it sound like all of them were in that basket, which is ridiculous. That
1: night after she said basket of deplorables and the Internet shattered, she said, I really messed up. That's what she told AIDS that night. Now, the, on the night of the election, campaign staffers had to decide who it was going to be that went in and told her <laughs> into her suite that there's no chance of her winning.
0: Right. Uh, Jen Palmieri is a one who had what they said was one of the best bedside manners and was a very close associate Um, that made her the designated deliverer of bad news to Hillary Clinton as the candidate, but not this time. She told Bobby Mook, Robbie Mook, that there's no way that she was going to go tell Hillary that she wasn't going to win, and Robbie Mook was the spokesman for the campaign for a long time. He's drained, he's deflated, he's watching the results with uh, with his team down the hall from her suite in the hotel, uh, and he gets out into the hallway to break the news to her, and she didn't seem at all surprised. Uh, and quotes, Hillary Clinton is saying, I knew it. I knew this would happen to me. And then would lean into Robbie Mook and says they were never going to let me be president. Now,
1: real rich from uh, a Clinton who who stopped Joe Biden's. Yes, candidate Joe Biden tracks.
0: tried yeah. to undermine uh, yeah. uh, Bernie Sanders c- campaign. I mean, th- th- ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ludicrous that she could be as w- where she was. I mean, a woman at the top of a ticket in a major campaign who, by the way, won the popular vote. Don't forget, won the popular vote to become president of the United States. It wasn't that they were never going to let you become president.
1: They, they beat the Clinton political machine that night. I still remember where I was sitting at home looking at the te- which television and when uh, Ohio went to Trump yeah. and just being like, oh, my God. I remember I got a couple of messages from Petros earlier in the day. He's like, "So does Trump have a chance of winning this thing?" And I was like, "No way!" You know, everything was wrong. Everything that we read was wrong. All the polling—I mean, it showed it close, but—but but nothing. That happened. was that was a shocker. It's
0: an eye opener for everybody. Yeah. All right, we come back. An update on losing streak Lois—they have finally caught the woman who apparently killed her husband and then killed a lookalike and stole her identity. We'll tell you where they picked her up. Also, Mo on the movies coming back and Starbucks doing its bias training, or I should say anti-bias training. Does it work? Coming up next on Gary and Shannon.
1: And Reeves. Today, Avicii dead at 28 years old. He was, oh gosh, I think he was making 28 million dollars a year uh, touring, selling out arenas worldwide before he uh, quit doing those live performances. It was taking too much of a toll a couple years ago. Uh, Had problems with alcohol in the past, but tried to uh, cut back because they were causing him health problems. We don't know how he died, but dead today at 28. Uh, in Oman.
0: One of the stories we've been talking about and have it, uh, I guess you could say we've been having fun. Um, unfortunately, it was based in a murder case, but a Minnesota fugitive, a woman named Lois Reese, apparently apprehended in South Texas finally after what was an almost month long nationwide man woman hunt. Better way to put it. Mark Remillard is joining us to uh, help fill in some of the details here. Now, they they picked her up down in Texas last night
7: that 's right, uh, actually, not far from the Mexico border, about twenty seven miles uh, in a place called san uh, uh, sorry south Padre Island, uh, about eight twenty five last night. basically, what happened was she was spotted at a restaurant. Uh, the manager there thought that she he recognized her as lois uh, Reese. Uh, she may have gotten spooked and decided to leave, and he followed her out noticed her car took down the plate number called in a tip deputies show up they talk to the manager they end up canvassing just around that restaurant and nearby they find her car then they spot her inside a restaurant they walk in and they said that they took her into custody without any incident And say that she was not surprised whatsoever when they arrested her
1: what was the motive behind these murders you know, we don't
7: know yet. Um, we The the first murder which occurred, her husband, David Reese, in Minnesota, they still haven't said why they think that she uh, killed him, whether or not this was financial. They, they've described her as having financial problems and a uh, problem gambler. So whether or not that's related, we don't know. But what we do believe is that, uh, or what the police believe is that the Fort Myers murder, the uh, death of Pamela Hutchinson, was believed to be part of her attempt to steal her identity. They have a similar resemblance she stole her ids her cash her credit cards and her car and that's when she took off across the gulf and ended up down in texas and now she's been apprehended
0: they haven't said much about why they considered her uh dangerous they were telling people if you see her do not approach her uh call the police was she believed to have had weapons with her or what was that
7: yeah she was believed to have a a gun on her at least um because Her husband uh, in Minnesota uh, was killed by gunshots, several gunshots. And then Pamela Hutchinson uh, was also shot dead. And police believe that was the same gun used in both of those shootings. So the assumption was is that, A, she's clearly uh, potentially armed. But on top of that is the potential that they were worried that as she burns through her resources, as she burns through her money as she's on the run, that she may look to do this again. Maybe she'll seek out somebody that looks like her again, attempt to... uh, Kill that person, steal their identity, so they were certainly worried about this and this is why they had such a massive manhunt going. They were even putting up billboards in multiple states with her pictures and and information for people to call in tips because this was a a high priority case for the u s marshals
1: I'm surprised we haven't heard from any family members of of hers. Um... You know? That's right.
7: Yeah, you're right. It's bizarre because, you know, she was a, a grandmother, we understand, a mother of three children, I believe. Uh, and so there was definitely family, but we, we really haven't heard from them. Uh, it's not. Re- I wonder what they would say about their mother or their grandmother who went on the run after potentially killing or allegedly killing her husband, uh, possibly their father or grandfather. So uh, it's a, it's a strange situation, but you're right. We really haven't heard much from them.
0: Got to be playing pretty loud in uh, Minnesota right now. This is uh, the unfortunate reason why Minnesota gets on the headlines,
7: of (laughs) course. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes this is what uh, sometimes puts certain communities like uh, Douglas County where this, or excuse me, Dodge County in uh, southern Minnesota on the map sometimes. Uh, And our understanding is that obviously she's going to face a lot of charges, um, you know, from – potential murder charges, to grand theft, ID theft, uh, possibly check fraud charges because she took fraudulent checks from her husband's business account and cast $10,000. That's And then she went to the casinos with that. So uh, she'll be facing a lot of charges and our understanding right now is that she's being held in South Padre Island Jail and they're working to coordinate with uh, Florida authorities, Minnesota authorities, as to where and what charges she'll be facing and how they go about the, those court proceedings.
0: Would, would this have changed at all if she did make it into Mexico? I mean, obviously, marshals would still follow her.
7: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you're, you're right. It might change the dynamic. It might make everything a little bit harder um, because she is obviously then out of the country at that point. Uh, we understand that the uh, U.S. marshals, law enforcement, had given her information as well as Pamela Hutchinson's information, the person that she allegedly killed and stole her identity, gave that to Border Patrol so that if she attempted to cross the border uh, that, uh, you know, they would, they would hopefully spot her. Um, but you're right. It may make it much more difficult had she crossed the border, and she had quite a bit of head start because her husband was killed or at least found dead on March 23rd, so she's been on the run for a few weeks, but he hadn't been seen in quite a while. Neither of them had, so she had quite a head start by the time they realized that her husband had been killed and then began looking for her, so that got her all the way down to Florida where she spent some time, obviously. She really didn't move that far from Corpus Christi, which is where they last spotted her vehicle, so uh, very very wild. Wide-ranging manhunt here, but you're right. If she had made it into Mexico, it could have changed the dynamic quite a bit.
1: Mark, have you found out what her game was? Was she into roulette? No, I didn't find out.
7: <laughs> That's a good question. Mm. I should have figured out. I remember you asked me that Damn it, the other Mark. day, and I should have done that, and I did not yet. <laughs> but I didn't find out, but I did. You know what I did read was that she won twenty-five hundred dollars at a casino in. Louisiana, that she see stopped
1: that at. will wow. do it. That and, will make a gambling addiction right there.
7: Yeah, hidden it? it, and and apparently she collected the winnings in her uh, her own name, which is part of the reason that they they oh that's not smart. She wow. took the winnings in Lois Reese's name.
0: Well, sometimes wow. winning a little bit makes you go a little bit more crazy.
7: Yeah,
0: All All right. Right. yep. By the way, we'll wait you wanted to look up what game she. Was no, playing. that's that's oh. a deep dive. That's oh, like that's like reporting. Yeah. Right. yeah. Thanks, Mark. We <laughs> Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, no problem. Mark Remlard there, the latest on uh, this losing streak Lois, the character that was finally picked up in Texas after this nationwide search for her in a connection with a couple of murder cases. All right, Mo Kelly's going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about some movies that are coming out this weekend, also, of course, coming out in the next few weeks. We're looking at two Avengers and Deadpool. I know
1: that you're super excited to go see I Feel Pretty. I know that you've been talking about that movie all week long. We will. You love Amy Schumer. We will talk about that.
0: In just a few minutes. We also have a thousand dollars we're gonna be giving away. Thanks to our friends at Cunning Dental. You got a nasty Amy Schumer smile called that is mean. That was really who really said that mean. that was mean.
1: You did mean New Gary. She has a wonderful smile actually. <laughs> new Gary sucks. He needs to go walk through the forest.
0: Triple eight six forty smile if you want to call cunning dental. We'll tell you how to win a thousand bucks coming back. Your chance at $1,000 right now.
2: Your shot at $1,000 now.
0: Text the keyword
2: cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200.
0: Got to answer that phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize because if you don't, they'll move on and give the money to, you know, Denman in La Habra. He won $1,000.
1: Denman, that's a good name. Mo joins us. Welcome
2: to Mo on the Movies. Oh, Red. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the Movies. Kiss me. Not a
0: chance.
1: Well. We're doing forest bathing.
0: We're not. We're forest bathing. Did you hear our forest bathing segment earlier? Of course he didn't. He has a
1: life. He probably heard the words forest bathing and decided now would be a good time to do whatever. To do anything, anything else. else. Yeah. Uh, I haven't bathed in a forest
5: since maybe I was 13. It's just right. a
1: trend up north of, of going into nature areas and just walking very slowly, like very slowly, like six steps an hour uh, just to take everything in, you know, figure out what your relationship is to that flower or that ant or that piece of bark.
5: We're not related.
1: Right. Um, but anyway, uh, Gary's super stoked about this weekend's release of Amy uh, Schumer's I Feel Pretty.
0: Tell me, uh, give me some opinions of Amy Schumer.
5: I think she's she's hit and miss. There are times where I found her very funny. Trainwreck
1: was hysterical.
5: Yeah, yeah there are times I think that she's very funny. And other times like, okay, that was the wrong project for her.
0: But overall positive. Um, Amy Schumer and Michelle Williams and Emily Ratajkowski star Ratajkowski. In, in I Feel Pretty. It's a woman struggling with insecurity. She wakes up after she falls, believing that she's the most beautiful, most capable woman on the planet. Her new confidence empowers her to live fearlessly. What happens when she realizes her appearance never actually changed?
1: I bet. my <gasps> jawline. No, no, I, I always I always wanted
0: this to happen. I, you you dreamed that this will happen, but I never thought it would really happen.
5: I mean...
1: Look at me! Look at my boobs! Look at my beautiful!
0: All right, um, this is shallow Hal from a different perspective. Right, it right. It appears.
1: I think it's cute. Uh, the the ending is probably going to be that she re- retains her confidence, and everybody realizes, oh, this you should be confident, and you're perfect the way you are. Kind of crap.
5: You can kind of see how this movie's going to turn out. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I
1: don't. Know. I like Amy Schumer. I don't like it when she does her stand up and talks about her underwear. I, th-
0: I, th- I will agree with that. And I think Mo put it, you put it well when you said she she could be hit and miss. Yeah. There are times when I think she fits perfectly into a role, and other times where it's just not the right. This one, I mean, I think she can fit into this role. She's she's talked a lot about body image and body positivity, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Know. I am not going to see this.
2: Where
1: I think it? her I think her line was I can catch a D
0: anytime she wants.
1: Anytime she right. wants. Yeah. Uh that I think that's what
0: That was from her stand-up special.
1: Right. That was um her uh Women's Empowerment and Acceptance.
0: But it was funny though. I laughed out loud when I heard it. Yes, but would you consider it a call to arms for women everywhere? No. Okay. A stand-up comedy. <laughs> I can catch <laughs> right.
1: a D t-shirts. <laughs>
5: yeah. I mean
1: Hashtag. You almost wore that today on Free Shirt Friday. This is my free shirt, mode. you like it?
5: <laughs> California Earthquake Authority. I got yeah. it
1: yesterday. You want to see the bat?
0: A million policies, is that what it is? A million policies.
1: It's important to get ready for earthquakes.
0: <laughs> uh, Super Troopers 2 also comes out this weekend. A border dispute arises between the United States and Canada. Super Troopers are tasked with establishing a highway patrol station in the disputed border area. This thing with fire is screwed up, Pooch. What? They can't lump us in with that Martian. We're all in the same boat, fellas. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah,
3: I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic.
0: Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Okay. Again, I, I could
5: barely <laughs> get through the first one. Do we have to do this a second I never time? saw
0: the first one, because every time I would see something or someone talk about it... And look, I love dumb humor. Don't get me wrong. I am a fan of just bottom-low-hanging-fruit comedy. And I still couldn't get through that.
1: This is involved Canadians.
0: Yes. Mm. <laughs> I would rather see another
5: Starship Troopers than Super Troopers.
0: <laughs> That's and strange.
5: Starship Troopers was bad.
0: That is saying quite a bit. Oh,
1: Mo, I've been dying to tell you this. Uh, I started reading Ready, Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Exceptional book. I'm, I almost read it in one sitting.
5: It'll be interesting to see then what you think about the movie. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I've, I've talked to people that have read the book and seen the movie and say they're very well, different and they're to be appreciated both, but it's not the same thing. Can we
0: go back then a couple of weeks and talk about that? Because would you... What prompted you to read the book?
1: Our conversation here. Okay, so... Because I... Uh, you guys were excited about the movie. I looked at the trailer. Oh, that looks interesting. That looks cool. I like I like the, the, the callbacks to the 80s um, and... I just saw that it was a book, and that it was the most popular book of 2011, or one of the most popular. But it was on all the top 10 lists, so I figured it was pretty damn good.
0: Well, I credit your self control then to read the book before you see the movie.
1: I That's... try to do that in all cases because the books are always, in my opinion, uh, so much, so much better.
0: So we have
5: to wait for you to read the book of Escape from New mo- York.
1: Uh, I don't <laughs> think there is one. Oh, okay. okay. So you have really have no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I love about it is. Um, the 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 kids in the and this is like 2044, and uh, the kids in 2044 are obsessed with the 1980s and everything that is 1980s pulp culture, um, in a way that I find that the kids today, like the teenagers and stuff, are not obsessed with anything that came before them. You know what I mean?
5: They're so self-absorbed. Yeah.
1: Exactly. They don't <laughs> care what happened in the 80s or the 90s Nothing for that matter. Nothing happened before they were born. Right. Uh, so it's really cool to see these kids obsessed with what went on in the 80s.
0: Um, this We also have this weekend opening another movie named Traffic. I think there have been six of them, if I counted correctly. Pretty much, yeah. This one is Traffic with a K, though, so it's going to stand out. A couple offer a romantic weekend in the mountains, played by Paula Patton and Omar Epps, accosted by a biker gang, Alone in the Mountains, Brea and John have to defend themselves against the gang, will stop at nothing to protect their secrets.
1: come inside you can call your family. Let them know where you are.
0: Apparently there's a lot of whispering in the movie. Call somebody. Anyway, I Omar Epps has been off the radar for quite a while. Paula Patton just broke up not too long ago with uh uh Robin Thicke Robin and then
5: moved in with her boyfriend of one month who's still married you you, you haven't gotten the update man I have not been reading (laughs) that's great she's got a new man she says she's in love
1: Robin Thicke made a baby with a new woman
5: well I just wonder about that whole relationship to begin with (laughs) it just seems like they're two odd people who came together to make
1: I feel like they third person I feel like they came together to get headlines because they were such an odd couple I don't know. Like It was advantageous for their careers to be together.
0: Next Friday, are we going to be able to talk about Avengers Infinity War?
5: Yeah, you and I can talk about it come Tuesday morning when I see it.
1: Oh, you're going
0: to see it Tuesday morning?
5: Yes.
1: Does the guy who sends out... The, uh, clean refrigerators email, know that he's spelling refrigerator wrong. You and me both. I'm saying, like, <laughs> should I be the a hole to email him I'm back a, and tell him? I'm about to be that we every single freaking week. <laughs> okay, because it's driving me insane. Even, Is he yeah. doing it to be cute? No. no. No, he doesn't know how. He doesn't somebody know. Somebody freaking he, tell him. You. Except okay, that have, in the body of the email, it's spelled correctly. He spelled correctly. correctly. Right. Yes. <laughs> On
0: accident. Most times he doesn't.
1: Okay, That's so just who's email emailing him? Can
5: we tell everyone for context?
0: That we Every week we get an email about this time on a Friday that says, hey, everybody, if you left your food in the fridge, we're going to throw it away.
1: <laughs> and the last building manager, we got, to stop. <laughs> we got him to stop sending the emails. We we're like, this is enough. Like, this is ridiculous. So he put up a laminated sign at the refrigerator saying we're going to clean this out every Friday. Great. Well, he got fired. We've got a new building manager. This guy doesn't know how to spell refrigerator. Who's going to send the email?
5: Every single week.
1: Nick?
0: Reply all, L.A., everyone. There you go. Yes. Yes.
5: Do it, Nick. Should I do
1: Do it? it?
0: No, I think Nick Nick should do it. He's the producer. It's his job. Yep. Someone yeah. needs to do it. I'll, I'll make a draft, and then we'll determine together if we want to click send. Want to <laughs> no, no, no I feel like we that. should
1: react right now. Draft
0: it. We'll decide. But don't right reply. After all the, don't right reply. All break. just
1: reply to him.
0: Mo Kelly hosted <laughs> the Mo Kelly Show six to eight on Saturdays and Sundays right here on KFI. Just do it thank cute. You very much. Put
1: like a winky face. Big
0: guests are coming up this weekend.
5: We are going to talk about the reboot of the 1983 movie War Games. It's now an interactive TV show. Oh, War so Games
1: is key. I've heard of that. In Ready Player yeah. One. All
0: right. Yes, it is. Mo, thank you. More of the Gary and Shannon show when we come back.
2: Well, there's a will, there's a way kind of beautiful. And every night has a state so magical. And if there's love in this life, there's no obstacle. but can't be defeated. No, For every siren not... to tear up all the vulnerable. That's a... Chris Martin, that's Coldplay. Yeah.
0: Oh, there it was. I heard it. They got it. Hey, speaking of, uh, Mo Kelly, we just talked to him about movies. It is free movie Friday with Adam Tickets giving you a chance at some free movie tickets. Here's how you can do it. You text them right now. Text the word reporter to Adam One, A-T-O-M-1, for your chance to win. It's the Adam Tickets app. You can browse movies, titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions all from your phone. Skip those lines. Of course, standard data text message rates may apply.
1: Well, we told you that Starbucks is going to close thousands of stores for racial bias training. It's going to happen May 29th in the afternoon. We're talking about 175 employees that get to sit through racial bias training. I just watched that office episode. The other day
0: <laughs> that is a fantastic look at what anti-bias training is and does in the workplace there's a place for it and i'll say that outright there is a place for figuring out who it is that you're working with and how not to be an apple to that person you
1: should know at this
0: point you should. in your life yes you absolutely should <laughs>
1: but uh in the sad situation that you don't well, does somebody. OK, so say you're 35 and you've gone through life being an apple and then you're acting like an apple at work in your corporation. And then you sit through an afternoon of racial bias training. Does that have any effect on you?
0: Good question. Actually, a lot of people say no. I mean, social behavioral specialists, social scientists say a lot of know. times it does not have anything to. do. with
1: your family. What's Is going that on? Let them know where you are. What are you watching over there? Is that Fear the Walking Dead? No, that
0: was one of those movies. I don't know why it started mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. Um, that social scientists say that a few hours will not do anything to solve the problem because that, in, that infects a corporation like Starbucks, which is this, this inherent bias, implicit bias that people have that they've had for decades.
1: It didn't help Steve Carell. I'll tell you that right now. You mean Michael. Right. Yeah. It didn't help him at all. No, it didn't.
0: But here's the thing, because a lot of times they're saying it not only does it not help, I mean, you know, sort of change the needle, push the needle back the other way, there's a chance that it backfires. Because if you break it down strictly on, say, racial lines to make it easy to digest, and you have a company of majority white workers who are being taught anti-bias training uh, uh, towards blacks or other minorities – there's a chance that you're going to have some of those people saying, hey, the only reason I'm here wasting four hours of my afternoon is because your, insert name of minority group here, your people are too touchy about what's been going on. Why don't you just sack it up and deal with it? So I think every company has probably gone through some of this. Um, I have a relative of mine who works high up in the sort of human resources departments of of a pretty big corporation, And uh, she says that these things are really popular. Everybody, every company likes to do them because they like to feel like they're making a difference. Their
1: ass. It's not because they feel like they want to make a difference. It's because they don't want to be liable when somebody uh, sues them for another one of their employees being an apple. And then and then the company can say, well, we did offer racial bias training. And then who's ever working out the settlements like, oh, okay, well, we'll limit how much you have to pay then. I mean, it's really a cover your own ass thing. And you know who's who's stoked about it is the uh, firms that offer this excellent training.
0: Absolutely. I thought about doing this as a moneymaker thing out of college. Yeah, because I thought about there's you know that you don't really have to know a whole lot. I mean, there are social sciences and I'm not saying that people don't study this and spend their lives dedicated to this sort of thing but to put on one of those anti-bias training seminars you you don't need to know a whole lot about stuff i mean the basics of it and i've joked about this before my entire seminar would be don't be a another person yeah just don't just don't be that person no matter what they look like what their skin color what their gender preference fluid Anything like that.
1: They're fluid.
0: Yeah. Why are
1: you talking about their fluids? If
0: they have gender fluids. Mm. Isn't that how you say it? If, if you just do whatever, don't be a D to that other person. I've tried to instill that in my kids. Okay,
1: if I'm going to be in contact with your fluids, though, at work, I'm probably going to be a D to you. Like, if I have to see your fluids, that's not cool. And I'm going to react accordingly.
0: But you've got, you know, all- if
1: you're going to pee <laughs> in front of me, I don't want to see that. I'm, and I'm going to let why would know. you know what.
0: Where, where how has our relationship progressed that now you're watching me go to the bathroom?
1: Exactly. Which is why I didn't think fluids should have been in your list of things. OK. I have an update on the refrigerators. <laughs> Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> By the way, that's uh Starbucks May 29th, I think, is their closing yes. in the afternoons for all of that.
1: I went into the newsroom. Right. And I said, we got to stop with the emails that are misspelled about refrigerator cleaning. Yeah. And uh, somebody was in there and said, I'll take care of it. Clint. Yeah. And he just uh, emailed me and said, handled. Ooh. So it's been. That's held. all he said. Yeah. That, it's kind of hot, huh? Didn't you get handled. somebody fired
0: before doing that?
1: Uh, No. <laughs>
0: That was not very convincing.
1: Are we going to talk about no-touch meat?
0: Uh, I think you mean touch-free chicken? Yeah, we'll do that when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Wait. No-touch meat? No. No what? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm going to get fired if we do a whole segment on no-touch meat. (laughs) We'll see. I'm willing to take that gamble, but Uh, I don't mind. No-touch
1: meat when we come back.
0: Gary and Shannon will continue it.
1: movie tickets huh free moody
0: <laughs> take two and we're back to one in three
1: two how about some free movie tickets we are back to free movie friday with adam tickets they are giving you a chance at free movie tickets text them now here's how you do it text reporter to adam1 a-t-o-m-1 for your chance to win it's the adam tickets app where you can browse movie titles buy tickets invite friends pre-order concessions all from your phone skip those lines Standard data and text message rates may apply.
0: If handling raw meat gives you the heebie-jeebies, there is a new product for you.
1: Blake? (laughs) Wait. Yeah? How do you feel about touching raw meat? Well, I worked in a meat department for six years, so I'm pretty all right with it. Okay. Uh, Nick is our next millennial on the docket. I'm okay with it. You're okay with it. Yeah. All right. So this is not apply. Do you guys have friends that are uh don't want to touch raw meat?
3: Yes. Yeah, I know really? a lot yeah, of the chicken people, especially. Yeah, a
1: lot of the
0: people but, I worked with, this even who worked in the same store were completely disgusted by wait, the entire department. But they would eat it? Well, yeah. not raw, but yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go out of my way to touch
6: the meat, but if I'm preparing a meal that involves
0: I kind of feel like someone if you're going to if you're going to go meat, me like... please elaborate. <laughs> Just if I'm breading
6: uh, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: some <laughs>
6: chicken you uh, gotta dip it in the egg British, you do the... you dip
1: it in the egg well, no.
0: gotta...
1: a British supermarket chain
6: the...
0: called Sainsburys <laughs> announced that they'll roll out touch free packaging you do have
1: to to tenderize it uh, you
0: have to tenderize it no meat. that's you guys are doing it wrong the, they're, Sainsbury is rolling out touch free packaging on their store browned raw chicken so you can avoid you can avoid contact like with moist meat it says if you're at least it's not dried out. That's if you if you're disgusted by touching moist meat, you should not be eating You should
1: it. not go to Thailand.
0: And you should stay away from Thailand. Thirty seven percent of millennials, you said, is that the number you said reported that they preferred not to handle raw meat?
1: I prefer not to handle raw meat too, but well, I gotta prefer, make dinner. You prefer it. You know what I mean? I, I don't think like, oh, what do I want to do today? I'll go to Pilates and then I'll go touch some raw meat for an hour. That's not you know, it's not it's not something that you want to do. Does but it have to be for a whole hour? To, even for 20 minutes, say? Does that help? Uh, but it's something that you have to do to make food for your family. For
0: well, your family. Um, I just fe- I don't understand that there's such a push for people to... For example... It's because to- they
1: don't want to... It's like one of those other, I don't want to be uncomfortable things.
0: I know, but but if there's such a push out there for, uh, for millennials or people who are younger to take a take a hit for the environment you know let, let's let do let's yeah. protect the yeah, environment yeah, yeah. at all costs all they're doing is adding a layer of packaging to this
1: just touch the meat all right it's not going to kill you it may make you partially sick for a, a couple hours but you're not going to die from it all right. Maybe it'll build up your immune okay, system. Hold on a second.
0: She learned all this in Thailand. Yeah, I was, was going to say, is Just it, touch the is, meat. That, is that what the waiter told you in <laughs> Thailand? Don't worry. I mean, you might have a couple of hours of incredible intestinal discomfort and possible discharge. But other than that, you're going to be fine after a while. What was well, that street you hung out on with the menu? Uh, Pat Pong. There you go.
1: Uh,. I'm just saying that this is ridiculous.
0: Hey, here's my thing: if you don't want touch to, the meat, if you don't want to touch raw meat, be a vegetarian,
1: or take a Ziploc bag, put your hand in it, handle your meat, and then throw the Ziploc bag away. That's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I do when I slice peppers. You, what's wrong with peppers? Well, it, the the stuff can get in your fingers. Oh, and then like you, wipe and then your you like touch eyes, your face because I can't stop touching my face. Yeah, and then that's bad. Mm.
6: Baggy.
1: Yeah. Ziploc baggies can be very handy. Are we done? No, we're not. Unfortunately, we still have
0: more time. I'm gonna read to you one tweet, one critic for Sainsbury's says that so they're adding more plastic packaging when other retailers are trying to reduce it. Crazy Sainsbury's, if you can't bear to touch raw meat, you shouldn't be eating it. That's my that's what I said. Another one, wrong move, Sandsbury's. Number one, you're introducing more plastic when others are leading the way to reduce it. Number two, what about the other 67% who have no problem with it? Just use tongs or a fork when it comes to touching your moist meat.
1: Hey, I'm going to move away from moist meat for a minute. I have one final story to tell you about. A postal worker in New York City has been arrested. He had 17,000 pieces of undelivered mail found in his car. His excuse was he was overwhelmed. He was sure he made sure to deliver the important mail, he says, but he had undelivered mail from as far back as 2005 in his car. I knew it. You knew
0: what? I knew there were some checks I was missing. From what? I don't know.
1: When are you going to be on that show?
0: I have no idea. Oh. Soon. Hey, I,
1: I'm going to be on Going Rogan this weekend.
0: This weekend? Mm-hmm. That airs tomorrow on NBC4 here in L.A.
1: That was good knowledge. Thank
0: you very much. I'll be out of town. But have a good time.
1: Oh, you're going to Vegas. No,
0: I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm not going to Vegas. There's a big difference.
1: Right. You're going for a volleyball tournament. Yeah.
0: Nobody goes to Vegas
1: You can for volleyball s- You can squeeze in some blackjack and bad decisions. Just
0: get a Ziploc baggie. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody.
2: Gary and Shannon's side studio <laughs> show.
1: Here you go. So people have asked... Hmm. That didn't start well. That's okay. okay. I'm sure you've heard about FAIR. FAIR is the new way to get your... Th- into... Hey, a lot of people have been asking us about FAIR. FAIR is... FAIR.
0: It's all to get away from that long-term commitment of a traditional finance or a loan deal. All of it is allowing you... Sec- and car mobile,
1: transparent, affordable. Okay, so I'm really excited to talk to you about the Home Consignment Center. Furniture, art, as a big breath.
0: I am holding the Los Angeles Charger schedule in my hand, and you know what? I'm already excited about football.
1: They were one of the hottest teams in football last year. One, what a.
0: Okay, so I've been thumbing through the Los Angeles Charger schedule, and you know what? Kind of excited for uh, football.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, tell, I'm like, tell me how to be sexy. <laughs> How do you do it, Gary? (laughs) I can't do it. I'm having erectile dysfunction.
2: This has been Gary and Shannon's Side Studio Show. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep scrolling up.
4: Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on
2: Gary and Shannon.